Joe Biden made an interesting comment about how there is a liberal world order and soon there will be a new world order. Of course, the media went nuts saying it's all a big conspiracy theory. Ignore this. Nothing's happening. He just means like there's going to be a new order to the world. Okay. Which is basically what new world order means to like everybody. That's the point. But the interesting thing about this is that he makes a reference to generational change once every three to four generations, 60 million deaths between 19, what do you say, 1900 and like 1946 or something like that. And so uh, it very much sounds like Joe Biden is anticipating the fourth turning when he says there will be a new world order. So we're going to talk about this, what it means and what Joe Biden's uh, look, I got to say, Joe Biden's the conspiracy theorist. If Joe Biden is the one saying there's a new world order coming, doesn't make him the conspiracy theorist. But sure, whatever you say, media, we've also got. The Daily Wire, Jeremy Boring, has unleashed Jeremy's razors because Harry's razors canceled on them for, you know, they were doing ads for Harry's and then denounced their audience. So they are firing up with their own grooming product and uh, a subscription service, I suppose it is. And it is, uh, they, they, they released a commercial and it's one of the funniest commercials I've seen. So we'll talk about that as well. Plus a bunch of other news. We've got James O'Keefe has published, uh, this is crazy, that Biden's DOJ is spying on Project Veritas spying on these journalists, going behind a judge's back because a judge issued a special ruling on a special master for Veritas. So we're going to go into that. The ACLU has actually issued a statement Hmm. criticizing this report, yet still denouncing Project Veritas. So I guess, sure, whatever. So joining us to talk about this and much, much more is Emily Jashinsky. How's it going? Do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, I am host of Federalist Radio Hour, culture editor at The Federalist and director of the National Journalism Center. Right on. Yeah. Cool. Quick. Yeah, yes. that's quick. And also Jack Posobiec. Uh Jack Posobiec, uh, host of Human Events Daily, Turning Point USA, and former Navy Intel officer. And I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about you know, both the judicial stuff and maybe touch on Ukraine as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You, you oh forgot to say you're a plaid enthusiast. Um, it's, this is actually my first plaid shirt. I am <laughs> um, now dabbling in plaid. I've that's decided great. to He's try it on. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming, coming out as as you know, plaid curious. Yes. <laughs> um, here live on the show. Is there green in that plaid? That's really brave. There Jack. is yeah. no, no, no. It's actually an optical <laughs> illusion. Yeah. It's actually, I don't know. It's I actually, think it's like ladybugs. It's, uh, it's oh, ladybugs. I never looked that closely. Is that ladybug? That actually is, yeah, it's ladybugs. Cute. We've had ladybugs in the house this year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're everywhere. The chicken, chicken's love Ian is actually drinking ladybug juice Dude, right now. This, Ooh, Eternal needs. Red, a little bit of healthy, healthy. I'm uh, coming down from, coming back from a cold. I, I basically started to get a cold, but if you kill it right away, because it's an immunodeficiency, it's a, a rhinovirus, it's an immunodeficiency virus. If you get it before it infects your white blood cells, you can kind of just avoid it. Mm. And that, it seems like that Ooh. happened. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Everybody thought it because did. Ian was eating like, Sludge? Yeah. It's not true. <laughs> he was. He was I eating aloe. Presenting my aloe. I started getting aloe, just pure aloe fillet, and then putting a little bit of eternal Sweet reds things. in there. But let me not take any more time up, ladies and gentlemen. Ian Crossland, and of course we have Lydia <laughs> over here. Great. Yep, I'm here as well. I'm not drinking any weird squeezings tonight. I'm just drinking coconut water. Always a delight to have one of you're my also ladies. not wearing Jack, plaid. Of course, I'm not. You're right. I'm not as plaid curious as Jack is, but pla- uh, Jack is rocking it. So let's get going. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. If you haven't done this already, become a member because that's what keeps everything operating. And we could really use your support to help our journalists stay employed and for us to keep doing the show. As a member, you'll get access to exclusive members only podcasts from this show. So we're going to have one up tonight around 11 p.m. Once we finish the live show, we record about a half an hour of this members only show. It's a lot of fun. It's not very family friendly. We swear <laughs> a lot. Just go to timcast.com and in the top right corner, you can sign up. And also, if you would really like to help out, just smash that like button, subscribe to this channel and share the URL to this live stream far and wide. All of you sharing this video 
If everybody did it, we'd be bigger than CNN overnight. At this point, you know, I've been saying that for a while, like we'll be bigger than CNN. Now it's kind of not that much of an accomplishment. We'll be 10 times bigger than CNN. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we'll be 10 times. We'll be twice. So, uh, yeah, share the video, smash the like button. Let's jump into this first story from Newsweek. Joe Biden's New World Order comment jumped on by conspiracy theorists. Mm, Okay, Mm. let's just uh, read a bit about what Joe Biden said. He said, as one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day. Okay, can I just pause for a second? (laughs) That is not what he said. No, no, no. It's, it's right there. <laughs> the top just, military people in the secure meeting about the national, the new world right. order. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. but I also... I, just it's, talking it's, to Hunter. I, I, well, I want to point out the two crazy things. They're no, like, they said it's it was a cons- secure. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a conspiracy theory, and Biden literally prefaced also, this by saying, top military people in our secure meeting said it, but also, why is Biden spilling secure <laughs> yes. meeting details to the Good public? Stuff. Like, in a rambly... I just imagine that as he's talking, there's like, you know, Kamala is just like... Uh, and then you've got, like, Jen Psaki, and they're going, no, 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 stop, stop. No, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, he said. It's like, we've discussed the new ways to assassinate Vladimir Putin. Uh, personalized bioweapon, you see. We've and, you know, Hil- Hillary was there. On the shelf. Hillary was there, and she said, can't we just drone this guy? Oh, my gosh. All right, hold on. Here's, let's, here's a quote. Here's what Biden said. As one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, oh 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. And since then, we've established a liberal world order. And that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people dying, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. There's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it, and we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. They then go on to say several people online took Biden using the phrase New World Order to confirm the existence of the aforementioned conspiracy theory. Here's here's what they do. Here's what the media is doing. Powerful world leaders like Clinton, George H.W. Bush, even Hillary Clinton, they've all said there will be a New World Order. Now, for most people, they think that means there's going to be a global um, system, a judicial system or, or legal system because the Council on Foreign Relations publicly states that's what their intention is with the liberal world order. They said after World War II to prevent war, various, you know, powerful institutions came together and created, you know, international organizations and treaties to prevent this from ever happening again. And now there's going to be a new version of that. That's it. That's all it means. So the media will, will push the most insane and absurd version of the conspiracy so they can try and discredit what Joe Biden just outright said. That in a secure meeting, he was told this. But, but I think there's also, and, and it's, you know, to go back to the, the headline of the show tonight, there's something even deeper that Biden is getting at because it's not just that he's talking about setting up a new version of the world order. He's essentially describing the fourth turning. So that means the president of the United States just came out and said that he was briefed by the top levels of our military that we are in a fourth turning. Is is that not what he just said? I, that's exactly. Yep. Uh, look, I, he didn't say literally the fourth turning, but I, you're right. The, that's the essentially what there. he's getting at. Right. So, you know, the only conclusion. So they're reading some Strauss Howe. And this he is, said four no, generations, no, 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 I believe. No, that's, that, that's, that's too much. It's obvious they're watching Tim Castile. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think they actually, some people at the White House are, because when we were watching Biden's campaign speech, it was a State of the Union, but he didn't really get a State of the Union. I called it a campaign speech. Right, right. Um, 
we were like, why are they so tight on Biden? And then they, they pulled out the camera. No. Well, and they're like, I think they're watching. And then they went back in on his face. I'm like, thanks, guys. Well, this is an administration that is literally working right now on a global minimum corporate tax, right? And so it's not as though there, – there's something very literal happening when you say new world order. And that's why the conversation about a new world order is immensely frustrating because there's a literal meaning to the term new world order that has been explicit among global leaders for forever. And every once in a while, they slip up and say a buzzword that's associated with conspiracy theories. But that's what's frustrating about the dismissal of this as a conspiracy theory. Is that like, listen, we have an IMF. We have a World Bank. We have a United Nations. We're working on a global minimum tax right now. This stuff is pretty much out in the open. And when you have a slip from the president of the United States like this, even from an administration that would avoid sort of veering into that territory, it's extremely telling. And it's not even as though, to the point about a fourth turning, that's not even in the Biden consciousness. He's just talking about what his job is, which is to be friends with Boris Johnson and Angela Merkel and all these people and to, to have the, have control Control at their fingertips. Well, I think, I think wait, it's wait, both. Wait, wait. I think it, I do think it's both, though, because he talks about the sixty million dying and that it's this cycle that happens every three to four generations. So the preface of it is where he's talking about the fourth turning and that right. this leads to setting up a new version of that. Someone they always who, have to say rules-based order, so they can't say new world order. Who wants to read what website that is, what organization that website is? <laughs> it's the World Economic Forum. <laughs> it's the World Economic Forum. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. so can you pull up the article? Yeah, here we go. So uh, it's from the World Economic Forum. Who wants, oh to, read, who wants to read the title? <laughs> 136 countries have agreed to a global minimum tax rate. Here's what it means. That's a great voice, okay. Jack. I like that. So <laughs> this, the, the World Economic Forum is citing Reuters. But clearly, you know, the reason I pull this up is the World Economic Forum is very much interested in a lot of this global policy, new world order stuff. The Council on Foreign Re- – you know what? Uh, let, me, let, let me do this. Let me, let me – uh, well, let's read a little bit here. They said the countries behind the global minimum tax rate together account for over 90% of the global economy. So that is to say – 90% of the global economy are agreeing to a global corporate minimum tax rate. Which means they're agreeing to the infrastructure to support and enforce a global a global minimum tax rate. Yep. So it's not just that you can make this argument that, like, listen, if we were all on an even playing field, things would make more sense economically. No, they're creating an infrastructure to enforce a global minimum tax rate. Right. Now, check this out. This is the Council on Foreign Relations website. NewsGuard certified. 100 oh. out of 100. Oh. <laughs> is it a conspiracy theory when the Council <laughs> on Foreign Relations says, what is the liberal world order? And they literally say, world leaders created a series of international organizations and agreements to promote global cooperation on issues including security, trade, health, and monetary policy. The U.S. has championed the system known as the liberal world order for the past 75 years. During this time, the world has enjoyed unprecedented peace and prosperity. I just got to pause real that, quick. Especially the truth in Vietnam. Man, they've had prosperity <laughs> for so many peaceful years. time in the jungle. Yeah. Uh, Korea. Yeah, that was also <laughs> very peaceful. The bombing of yeah. Belgrade. Kicking the doors in um, Iraq was very peaceful for those soldiers. Rwanda. Peaceful Rwanda. <laughs> you know, you know what, you know what it is. They're, man, it's 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 very Gen Sackian. It's like they're bragging about the thing they've done, but it's been an unmitigated failure across the board. But also, it doesn't exist, right? right. So right, right. They're bragging about it, but no, 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 no. Maybe, well, we've created world is, peace. So, and so world Michael order. Michael Anton actually has a great uh, formulation for what this is, and he calls it the celebration parallax. And so, the celebration parallax means. When they talk about it, it is good and laudatory. But if anyone mentions it in a critical sense, not only are they wrong, but also the thing they're discussing doesn't exist. Right. 
Uh, the new world, new world order is amazing and just so great. And I'm really excited for Klaus Schwab and yeah. you know, all that stuff. It feels so, like so now I can't wait to not own anything because I'm going to be so happy. Yeah. Yeah. But this is what's interesting is that we lose, and I wrote about this recently, that we have this nuclear order and nuclear technology is literally younger than some people walking this earth. And it is the most dramatic technological advancement that has ever happened in the history of humanity. And it's happened over the course of people's lifetimes. Like it has happened that quickly. And we take for granted how dramatically it changed the way that we operate. And so the new world order it's actually really new. It's really new. And it's something that, like, when you have all this technology at your fingertips, of course the leaders of the United States, of course the leaders of all of these different countries are going to want to have the power concentrated at their fingertips because it's so powerful and because they want, they have this sort of technological ability to do it now that they can concentrate power and rule over everyone because they're terrified of what would happen if they didn't. What I'm wondering is, are the governments making concessions with these corporations? Like, they're like, the writing's on the wall, the corporations are taking over, let's just intercede with them instead of try and resist. Like, you said that they're all working together to create a global tax rate. Like, is that... I, I wonder if it's just like the governments have given up and they're like, hey, corporations are coming, Klaus Schwab's right, corporate governments. Oh, I totally think so. I think they're the same. I mean, Trump's first secretary of state was Rex Tillerson. Like, he was like literally the CEO of Exxon. Yeah. Um, and people, I, it's like mind-boggling to me that people forget that. But it, I think they're basically the same at this point. I, I'd just like to point out that uh, the Council on Foreign Relations basically describes the New World Order conspiracy theory as something that's already happened. <laughs> That's the that's the weird thing for you know? seventy five years. <laughs> for seventy five years, there has been a liberal world economic order, where a liberal world order where world leaders created a series of international organizations and agreements to promote global cooperation on issues including security, trade, health, and monetary policy. I said it fast. There, we, there you go. Anyway, <laughs> the point is now that Biden is like every three to four generations, something changes. Basically, saying we're in the fourth turning, mm-hmm. and there's going to be a new world order. No longer the liberal world order. There'll be a new world order. Well. It, I don't understand why they're acting like it's not a real thing. But it's also it what we are actually seeing and the question is will we will this trigger a Thucydides trap, right? Um because and I I believe it's the economist that came out and dubbed what we're starting to see the just the sort of edges of right now are or is an alternative world order. And this is the idea that because the U.S. is sanctioning Russia so hard, because the U.S. is now sanctioning CCP officials, um, they've threatened sanctions on India. Well, guess what? You put those three countries together, that's over half the world's population. So they are going to find a way to work together outside of you. And they're going to build their own order in order to do so. So the Saudis, of course, are already selling oil in um in the yuan, so they're getting away from the petrodollar. You might see a rise of Wait, the Wait, they're already yuan. doing it? Yeah, they're discussing it. Right, right, right. Um, you're also seeing, uh, India and Russia are already starting to trade in between their own currencies. They're not using US dollars. So that's the point of all of this is because all of these transactions are done, at least certainly for oil and, and uh, energy writ large, are done in US backed currency. Mm-hmm. So that's the SWIFT system. So the idea that the US dollar is just fiat is actually, I'm sorry, crypto bros, it's not 100% correct because the US dollar is essentially backed by something and that's oil because of this right. artificial demand for US dollars because of foreign countries always needing to convert into the US dollar that props it up. So it's not necessarily gold backed. It's sort of oil backed well, by this global Petrodollar. Petrodollar. Well, 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 yeah, but, 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 but look, yeah. I mean, nothing's stopping any one of these countries 
uh, or world leaders from switching off of the U.S. dollar. I mean, yeah, you know, Saddam Hussein did yeah, it. Yeah, Saddam Hussein. That out. Uh, Gaddafi <laughs> wanted to do it. Gaddafi, that you worked know? out for him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It worked, yeah, yeah, worked out worked really out. well for them, didn't it? Yeah, they're, a they're lot of guys right, can just tell the U.S. government, like, right. "F you, I'm doing my country my own way," and they don't really care. Well, and, and so they're all anti-nationalist, right? Like, nationalism is terrible. It is intentionally conflated with white nationalism, unless it's Ukrainians fighting Putin, mm. and then everyone that's sort of in the neoliberal establishment loves nationalism and celebrates it. And we see stories in the media on CNN of these Ukraine patriots who are, you know, just carrying the banner of nationalism, which these same people think is so icky here because it's about they, they see themselves as citizens of the world. Um, and especially that's especially true of the people like that, that doesn't mean you can't be American, but you see yourself as a, as a global citizen. Right. They have something literally called the Global Citizen Festival before your nationality. But you watch how quickly that flips when the nationalists are in support of, of their agenda. Basically. Right. So CNN will, you know, argue that somebody should be fired from their job because they're cracking their knuckles and it accidentally looks like an OK symbol. <laughs> but an actual commander of the Azov Battalion Mm-hmm. was just on CNN yesterday who are an avowed um far right neo nazi replete unit within the US or within the Ukrainian military. Who I mean, was it who was uh, straightening their jacket before an interview? Stephen Miller. Stephen oh, Miller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they said it was straight- a double <laughs> yeah. double white power. These people are insane. I can't imma- I, I don't understand how anybody So the really same people it. right and, and what, to Emily's point the same people who will see Nazis everywhere and behind every shadow here in the United States when they're faced with an actual group of avowed neo-Nazis. The boy who cried They will wolf. say, oh, no, 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 no. Those people, they're fine because they're fighting for something that we need to fight against. I was researching the Azov, and I look back. It looks like the Germans after World War One took Ukraine as like a protectorate, and then a bunch of uh, Germans were there. And then when World War II broke out, a bunch of Nazis were there in Western Ukraine and started like got really vicious and uh, started up Azov. I, I don't know much about it, but this is where I got to from there. This is why there's Germans, why there were Nazis in Western Ukraine is because it was holdover from the wars. It's not so much, much that it was. A, that? It's not so much that it was a whole. I mean, I think you have a half of it right. It's it's this idea, and it wasn't Azov Battalion back then. It mm-hmm. was this guy Stepan Bandera, who yeah, the Banderites, who so Banderites and Banderism um, was a, arose because of this. Now it started off as being an anti-Soviet movement and a pro-Ukrainian nationalism movement, kind of like you were talking about. But then it went completely extreme very quickly. And even before the Germans arrived in World War II, they were essentially declaring themselves on the side of the Germans because they were so anti-Soviet Union. So they start slaughtering Russians. They start slaughtering Poles, Jews. Um, if you basically, if you were in that area of Western Ukraine, it's known as, uh, West Galatia or, um, excuse me, East Galatia, that you were basically not Ukrainian. You were just completely wiped out by this guy, Bandera. But the previous president of Ukraine just recently actually named him as a hero of Ukraine and a hero of the nation. There's, there's statues to this guy that are up in their, in their city squares. They must be torn to the ground. There was a there was a photo of one of the Azov guys with the black sun. I think mm-hmm. it was was that it? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, he was wearing like a. a, a oh, ever, you, you see them everywhere. Yeah. I think it was there was a Reuters article where they had someone who had the patch on, and they had to bl- they actually blurred it out. Wow. Uh-huh. Oh, that's the SS symbol. On the shot. Yeah. Himmler. Himmler did that. It's not a the good black symbol. Black sun. This is for. I hadn't read about it yet. I know the symbol though. Yo, know, I, I, we got a weird. Whatever is going on in this country, where there are shows like this, where we're able to point out 
that Ukraine has staunch nationalists and, you know, overt neo-Nazi ideology, yet the mainstream media is cheering for it. The Antifa left is now profa, I guess. So you know, weird. Pro-fascist. It's, I mean, it's, it's just, so uh, incredibly offensive because they have no idea what they've done to the – they actually don't understand the fear that they've instilled in normal working class people who, for instance, really like Donald Trump and are afraid that they're going to be called a Nazi, a literal Nazi by people at their office place, by the Human Resources Department for tweeting something in support of Trump or Facebooking something in support of Trump. And so it is just like to see this – it is so incredibly offensive because they spent years seeing seeing Nazis everywhere. I, I have a question though. What would happen if you if someone made black sun buttons like pins, but it was yellow and blue like the Ukrainian flag, mm. and it said as of you know on the top? You can see you that think- Kleenex box is yellow and blue. Oh yeah, look at that. Oh, yeah. But do you, do you think do you think these leftists would wear that? Yes. If you told them like yeah, some pro Ukrainian symbol of Gaza, absolutely, they'd walk around wearing actual actual Nazi symbols. Oh yeah, they wouldn't care. That'd be a good um, that'd be a good like Ryan Long uh, you know yeah. segment to do. Or something. Yeah, it comes down to emotion in that situation. Like, are they familiar with the symbol and does it strike an emotional chord? If it does, they'll stay away from it. But if what, they don't I mean, know, they'll they'll gladly. Well, hold on, it. like so. I'll ask you a couple of different scenarios. Let's say you go to Union Square in New York City. And you have these pins, and you walk up to someone and say, "Hey, would you wear this in support of the the, the you know freedom fighters in Ukraine? They have a battalion. It's the Ukrainian flag. They'll probably say yes, right?" Now, what if you said, "Would you wear this in support of the Azov battalion? It's the Ukrainian flag and the Nazis' black sun. This is their symbol. Do you think they would wear it then?" Yeah, you I still think I mean, they if would. You, if, you if you said it was the Nazi black sun. Yeah. You think they would, still, they, they would still do it? I think, yeah. I think they would get a short circuit, but... It doesn't process right what's, now. What's even more interesting to me, though, is that, you know, you go up to people who have never heard of Ukraine, have never heard of Belarus, you know, maybe other than in some, like, abstract discussion, probably can't find it on a map, and yet are now suddenly these experts on it and also it becomes their entire identity just overnight the same people who were you know vaccine experts a couple of weeks before and prior to that they were epidemiologists and before that they were racism experts throughout all of <laughs> My 2020 and historians yeah and another another military members who are saying you know these ridiculous comments like oh you should just run up and throw paint at the tank and that'll you know that'll stop them and that you're you know throw some water balloons at it with you know my, filled with paint my personal okay. favorite crazy, was when craziness I, was when uh, uh Zelensky held up the red salute and mm. I said I didn't know if he was supporting black lives matter or communism it was meant to be like tongue in cheek and then I got a bunch of responses where they're like, you wouldn't have you, – you, you're a coward. You don't have the balls to go to Ukraine. And I was just like – you know, because I've been there three times. Like, well, covering. you were there in the original coup. I was there – I was yeah, I was there in the, the, the start of the Eurodan protest for several months. And then I went back you know, a couple of years later and you know, sort of followed up and did a little video and stuff. So yeah, I was actually there and I had you know, guys surround me screaming at me and I was like American journalist and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're cool now. Come on in. Dude, it was crazy. We got to go inside a government building they had ransacked. They'd like stripped all the paperwork and pulled it all out. It was nuts. Crazy times, man. I wasn't there when they when they started throwing the firebombs, though. What city were you in? I was in Kiev. I was in Euromaidan. Yeah. Yeah, this is, yeah. this is the, the, you know, the oh, yeah. Independent Square, they call it or whatever. Euromaidan. It's Maidan Square. Maidan Square, yeah. But they were calling it Euromaidan because they all wanted to be in the EU. Oh. And the crazy thing is we went to a pro Yanukovych rally where everyone's <laughs> waving these flags mm. and it was being reported in British press as like. So Yanukovych, just for people who don't know, Yanukovych was the current president at this time who essentially blew up this economic package 
for the EU that a lot of people wanted him to sign. You know, they wanted him to sign this. Please do this. Who hired Tony Podesta Who and Paul Tony Manafort Podesta to Paul massage Manafort. their messaging yes. uh, in the Senate with Hillary Clinton's State Department? Hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Right. Wait, so wait, Yanukovych did? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and they set it up through something called the Center for a Modern U- the European Center for a Modern Ukraine to try and get around FARA laws right. uh, because it looked like they were just working for this neutral think tank. Mm. Is the most like beautifully corrupt. It's, it's just a right, and they're all the payments were like going through Cyprus <laughs> and yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So Yanako so it, be, it so the Ukrainians get all mad and, and very upset about this, at least in places like Kiev. So they launched this massive protest, turns very violent, but you also had Ukrainians who were still supporting Yanukovych and he had been at the time the uh, democratically elected president of the country. So you did have these dueling these dueling protests in the background. Just to clear that up, Yanukovych was was working with Tony Podesta. He hired Tony Podesta? Yes. Yeah, so he had a lobbying operation in the United States that included Paul Manafort, who was working for Mercury at the time, and Tony Podesta's Podesta Group, which is now defunct, which is amazing because it was one of the biggest lobbying firms in D.C., one of the most powerful lobbying firms Easily, in D.C. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it went corrupt. I mean, it went uh, defunct over this corruption because it came out. He was a casualty of the war against Trump. Trump, the media's war against Trump, um, because they obviously caught Paul Manafort on this, and he was convicted of violating FARA law. But it was amazing. They, and you can look at the lobbying records of Tony Podesta's firm meeting with people in Hillary Clinton's State Department as a representative for the European Center for Modern Ukraine, which he later admitted he knew was basically being uh, was a front for Yanukovych. So Yanukovych wanted to join the Americans, or did, was he a Russian? I thought he was a Russian puppet. Well, that's what, and, and Jack could probably explain this better, but that goes, d- that has happened in different ways depending on the time. So if it's before the EU, the collapse of the EU deal, it's a different than if it was after. What I was told uh, when but I was of course, there. But since we're talking about that, you have to point out, Mueller goes after Manafort, who had been Trump's campaign manager. Trump has to fire Manafort after all of this comes out in like March of 16 or so. Um, or maybe, no, maybe even later than that. Um, they have this thing called the Black Ledger, which turns out to yeah. be fake, but supposed mm-hmm. by made by um, Ukrainian operatives, but ended up, you know, they said it was the like illegal payments to Manafort. But throughout all of this, Manafort had been doing it through the Podesta group. Yep. Podesta and Tony Podesta were given immunity during all of this, but Manafort has to go down for it. Yep. Interesting. Wow. I, was, I was told by some of the activists that their view, at least a lot of the students and a lot of protesters was that Yanukovych was playing both sides. That he would, you know, well, clearly, right. So he was trying to get these deals, these sweet, you know, deals from the from the West, and then he would go to Russia and be like, "Oh, look what they're going to do for us." And so people were like, the protesters wanted to be part of the EU. Being a part of the EU, this this is their their perspective. We could move to Poland. We could move to the UK. Get jobs. The economy is going to immediately improve. Our lives will immediately improve. And that's one of the reasons the EU was like, "Hold on there, hold on there. We'll figure it out." But the concern was Ukraine's economy was too weak. A lot of them were scared. They well, said, and also the levels of corruption. Yeah, right. Like you need absolutely. to meet certain wickets yes. and certain bars before you can gain entry to the EU. And truth be told, that's what Biden said. Biden was saying, you know, corruption was a big deal. We were trying to weed out the corruption. It's just funny because I don't trust him because he is corrupt. He's like, I got to know for myself. I'm putting my son on the board yeah. of Burisma. Right? And this, <laughs> yeah, is a, right. this is an amazing again. Once we get our money out of Burisma, then <laughs> and when you start then peeling, the will be over. when you start peeling back the layers of the Russia collusion hoax, and you find at the bottom here that Tony. 
Tony Podesta is the brother of John Podesta, Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, and was taking money from Yanukovych, who you, you know, playing both sides, I think is a fair way to say it, and fled to Russia, by the way, after the collapse of that deal, um, and was protected by Putin's government. When you peel back to that layer, you realize what bullshit this is. Yanukovych hired Tony Podesta, who was running Podesta Group at the time? Yep, exactly. Yep. And so he, he hired Podesta and he hired Manafort because that's how lobbying works in D.C. Um, yep. They need to have a Republican and a Democrat, basically, to get what they want done so that they can massage both the Republicans and the Democrats. And it's a that's why I always use this example of one of the it, – it so perfectly crystallizes corruption in D.C. If, so if, the, if Yanukovych was working with the Americans in the Podesta Group to become with this American-style thing, then why would Podesta flee to Russia? No, uh, Yanukovych. Oh, okay. Yanukovych. I thought you said Tony Podesta did. No, no, Yanukovych, no, no. got it. No, I don't know where Tony Podesta is. I think he's in New York City. I could be wrong about that. I think <laughs> didn't he live with uh, Abramovich? That woman, weren't they like friends? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you know that? Oh, like, really? Cooking know. that like blood cooking. Th- oh, there's weird people. She yeah, did. She did that stuff. famous. Uh, uh, the artist is present. Do you ever see that? I actually saw it in person. Oh, really? I, I was <laughs> visit- <laughs> because I was visiting. Real, real, real quick though, if for those that don't know, she just sat in a room for like 30 days. Is that what it was? It, no, it's like the lobby. Of MoMA, oh. of the Museum of Modern Art in MoMA. <laughs> and on like the, like the second floor lobby. But I was going at the time because they had the Tim Burton exhibit um, that was only going to be there for a little bit. And it was sort of – so Tim Burton opened up his archives and, you know, everything from Edward Scissorhands to Beetlejuice to like the Batman <laughs> costume, the Joker's stuff, um, the – Nightmare Before Christmas, all the little Jack Skellington heads and everything. And I was like, oh, that's great. Tim Burton, let's, you know, we were in New York. I said, we got to check this out because it was only there for a limited time. They had like a sandworm from Beetlejuice coming out oh, of the cool. ceiling. It was awesome. But as we're going up, we see this, this woman in all, all red, this red dress just sitting in a chair and there's this sort of roped area around it and everybody's looking at her and, and, you know, this is probably like maybe 2010 or so. And, you know, I'm looking at it. I was like, well, what's, you know, what's with the lady in the, in the chair? Why are people looking at this? Oh no, it's, it's high art, right? <laughs> the They're not sending their so, best. Yeah, I'm like, right. is she going to be drawing something? Does she do caricatures like the people on the street or something? Let, let, let me tell know. you, it's what, just what, this. Let me tell you what's disconcerting. Yeah. What's disconcerting to me is that people would come in and you could wait in line to sit down in a chair, like in front of her. Right. And there were people who would like sit down and J- Z would. They'd start crying. What? They would just start, like, start crying. And it's, I'm just wow. like, why do you, why are you crying? You know, it just the heck? people, I don't know, man. I really wonder sometimes about a lot of people. I'm just going to say it again for the 800th time in the past week. Every day we get a new story that's a hoax. There's a, uh, uh, we, we got the Supreme Court hearings going on for, um, what's her name? Kintanji Jackson. Yeah. 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 And, uh, someone tweeted, let me just remind everybody that Christine Blasey Ford credibly accused Brett Kavanaugh and Republicans didn't care. And I just see that and I'm just like, dude, you guys, you lie about basically every major political story nonstop all day, every day. And then a month goes by and it gets debunked. Mm-hmm. So, no, I'm just you could come out and, you know, point at the sky and say there's a giant meteor. And I'm, I'm not looking up mm-hmm. just like the movie. Like, like just, the movie, yeah. no, no, no. You're not going to give me. It's 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 the easiest motion in the world to look up. I won't do it. Screw you. You guys are liars. I'll, yeah. give, you, I'll give you an example. Today is the three year anniversary of uh, three years. It's been of the Mueller report coming out and that press conference that he gave completely debunking the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. Wow. Three Three years years since the debunking 
of the hoax is today. Wow. And yet you go to anybody on the left or your your casual CNN, MSNBC viewer, they all believe it 100%. Well, they're bringing it wow. back. I mean, it's 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 having actually a revival, which is really interesting. You're seeing a lot more people on the left continuing to talk about it now because it's their deflection point. When they talk about the Biden administration's right. handling of Ukraine, they're like, well, Donald Trump was in bed with Putin. Mm, you're, you're so you – know, we've been doing this for years, and you still – haven't understood you still haven't reckoned with well, so, the disaster that that, ha- that that so was. yeah that so it you, doesn't matter you, nothing Ukraine, persuades them otherwise they nothing. meant to solidify this sort of you know government takeover that they were pushing in ukraine bringing them into the nato fold bringing them into the security blanket during the hillary clinton administration mm-hmm. right but of course the hillary clinton administration never took place and so they needed this placeholder to sort of keep that going, keep that energy going throughout the four years of Trump. And then that became the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. Then finally, after 2020, which was essentially the same kind of domestic color revolution that we were just talking about, the color revolution of Maidan, you see those exact same uh, tactics being used here in the United States, right down to the violent riots in cities. Um, and then now that it then when it ended, suddenly Ukraine and Victoria Nuland, the same exact person who was behind so much of that in 2013, 2014, comes right back in. Victoria Nuland, what's her connection with uh, Kolomoisky? I think they have a connection, don't they? I'm into this Kolomoisky guy. We talked a little bit about him before, though. He's like a Ukrainian billionaire. I don't know what you call him. Oligarch. Let's, let's, He's let's, like the puppet master, or looks like to be. Let's jump over to, over to some uh, domestic issues, very important domestic cultural issues that will shock the soul. Oh, yes. We have this story from Yahoo Life. <laughs> ben Shapiro and Jeremy Boring of The Daily Wire announced Jeremy's Razors campaign against Harry's. Oh. If you guys haven't seen this yet, you've got to watch the best, the greatest commercial ever they released <laughs> in The Daily so Wire. Good. And it's <laughs> legit really, really good. Basically, The Daily Wire was uh, sponsored by Harry's Razors. Harry's razors got tweeted at by a high school kid. No joke. Like a person who said, <laughs> I'm in high school. Two followers. And with two followers and said, you guys are bigots. So Harry's was like, we hereby denounce the Daily Wire. So the Daily Wire has launched IHateHarry's.com and they've launched their own Jeremy's razors with this commercial. And it's brilliant. Not only is it funny, it's silly, it's over the top. He, he takes a flamethrower to Harry's and Gillette. <laughs> nice. he, he goes after these companies who hate you. Not not just Harry's, but also Gillette, saying, you know, men are too toxic or whatever. And now the Daily Wire's launched their own male, male grooming products. I think it's brilliant for two reasons. One, the cultural issue of it, taking back the culture, bring, bringing back comedy. I'm looking at what the Daily Wire is doing. I'm seeing the way they're filming things, and I'm like, this feels very much like 20, 20, 2009, 2010 Vice. Mm. Yep. You know, when it was, yeah. when it was yep. edgy, funny, over-the-top, offensive. When it was Vice. When it was Vice. Well, and so the interesting thing, and I reported a year ago that this was in the works, and I kind of figured maybe it wasn't going to happen. And I'm glad that it did happen because it seems like a silly thing. And I remember when I reported it, I was like, is this newsworthy? But it absolutely is when you think about it because what the Daily Wire is doing is creating this parallel infrastructure to the so-called mainstream infrastructure. And there, if you look at like Gina Carano, she gets purged from Hollywood. She's a legit actress. She gets purged and the Daily Wire creates a soft landing pad for her, which then creates more incentives for other people in Hollywood to be open about what they think because they can land somewhere when they get purged and somewhere legitimate. And so when you create this parallel infrastructure, you create real competition to the the monopoly that wokeism has on corporate America. And so 
that is, I mean, we talk about monopolies and antitrust, but this is like a, an ideological monopoly and there's no way to create competition for it because every single corporation is dominated by this ideology and that's what they're doing. Well, it's, it's similar to the cancellation arbitrage that we were literally just talking about with sort of the new world order versus the alternative world order because sanctions on the international stage, on the domestic stage, is cancellation. And so Russia, China, India building up their own parallel economy, it actually kind of mirrors what we're seeing happening domestically with conservatives or just sort of anti-woke companies and economies of scale starting to be built out and now supply chains, um, parallel social media, everything from Rumble to... Um, you know, various social media platforms that are being built out. And it's it's very similar how the mainstream is the one that's kicking people out. But because you've kicked out now so many people, well, that's enough to form a critical mass where you can now build your own structure in your system. So we're seeing it happening domestically with things like this, but we're also seeing it happening internationally. Mm. I think it's falling apart. Things breaking apart. You know, the liberal world order, this mm. unified system, Visa MasterCard is being split here in the United States. The economy is being split. It might be a way to bypass, uh, what's, what would you call it, where there's when one superpower raises up and then displaces another. Maybe a way to bypass no, it's I don't know, because when you look at the way Russia got economically canceled, there's no way to strike back. When you're a, a military and then you get canceled by Visa, there's no country to attack with your military. It's all money. What could happen is starvation and then people rise up against the starvation like hey you can't starve us like this then they take up arms and are called villainized and then then that could cause some sort of conflict but i don't think it's going to get that extreme because uh russia china and, and the united states are capable of growing their own food for the most part well not only that but russia and china food. can direct i mean they have a massive border with each other they can directly trade they don't or you know they have some in you know talk about central asia they have mutually beneficial countries that are um that they have good relations with that they can trade through so they don't need to you know the united states navy can't interdict trade between china and russia so you know they don't need us basically well, what we need in the united states is more of what the daily wire is doing yes. oh yeah shaving yes. products so whenever you, you know, not only that, but Daily Wire has a streaming service they're building up, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm totally jealous of the stuff these guys are working on because they're, they're hitting the nail on the head with the hammer. So we need to think about woke companies that have a, either a monopoly or, you know, close to one and then start actually making products. Yeah. So and one of the most interesting things I've experienced in reporting on the Daily Wire's kind of ascent is uh, being on the set of Terror on the Prairie, which is the new Gina Carano movie was fascinating because I was talking to all of these people just from the crew who have spent their careers in Hollywood and they're not sort of like, some of them are like red meat conservatives, but a lot of them aren't. They're just artists. And finally, I think when you create, again, those landing pads, it's not just that top bill uh, talent. It's not just your Gina Carano's. It was makeup artists. Um, it was yeah. people on the crew and to a degree that I was really surprised by who weren't just like, oh, hey, it's another job. They were like, no, 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 we're here because we're really excited not to promote a conservative message, but to promote the message that we're giving a middle finger to Hollywood. And that's what artists need to feel comfortable doing. And the Daily Wire is creating spaces for that. And it's it's going to be really, really powerful, at least so far. It seems like it has been. And the talent that they're snatching up is also Good very stuff. interesting. Yeah. 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 The fascinating thing is and I'm watching the commercial and it's remarkably well made in terms of production quality. It's mm-hmm. so fun. Yeah. It's just absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of, are we, you want to roll that thing? 
We able to we able to roll. No, nah, it's several, It's like was it like three or four minutes? Okay, long. but he has a he has a flamethrower. Well, he's got a flamethrower. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I've done um, Candace's show down there a couple of times, and just to talk about you know the behind the scenes of that, they have a live studio audience. Yeah, where they yeah. do the show, and the mm-hmm. the show is shot live to tape, and so you've got people that are in there, a couple hundred people per episode. That and everybody's you know dressed very professionally, dressed like really really nice. Um, the audience is, you know, kept live. There's like an MC that kind of comes in between when they're changing up the sets. I mean, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes there. It's wild. Yeah. And they, their gift shop is one of the things that sounds silly, but that blew me away because if you, if you go to their gift shop and they have one, um, outside the set where they do Candace's show, it's things that it's sort of like inside Daily Wire jokes. But you can see how they're tapping into this really kind of, I don't know, cultural populist sentiment that uh, I don't think anybody else has come close to doing yet. I have always loved the jokes they've had on their show. It's always been a running joke that Ben is going to fire Michael Knowles. It's always been a running joke that Matt is a cranky old crab. He's an old coot. (laughs) He's not even that old, but he's just, that's his persona. They come up with these personas. They're very personable. They're very funny. They get along with each other. They smoke cigars together. I think it's awesome. So Harry's, this is, this is interesting. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know of many companies that have co-CEOs. Is that like a normal thing? Because the Daily Wire has a joint venture. Co-CEO. Yeah. But the, uh, we have a statement here from Jeff Rader. They say co-founder and co-CEO of Harry's. Hmm. He states, we created Harry's to offer better shaving and grooming products for everyone. We believe deeply in free speech, but draw the line at hate. We'll continue to support our customers and community with kindness and compassion. A spokesperson from the brand continued by saying that Harry's does advertise across the various media, including the conservative Fox News. However, the brand does not associate with entities that engage in or endorse hate speech. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a Harry's subscription, you should cancel it and get a Jeremy subscription. Yeah, outright. Yes. Because, you know, here's, here's the challenge with Netflix and Disney. If you want to watch the latest Disney movie, it's Disney or nothing, baby. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you want to watch those Netflix series, it's Netflix or nothing. If you want to shave your face, it's yeah, Harry's options. or Jeremy's. Yeah. And Jeremy's are the company who are like, we don't hate you. We just want your money. And Harry's are the company that says, we actually do hate some of you. Yeah. We're, we hate you because you hate. So we're going to hate you. And there's, you know. a, there's another really interesting and I think uh, dark element to this, which is and the example I always use is like, why on earth is Stephen Colbert? Um, one of the most, and, and often on the ratings, the most popular host in late night. And we can talk about Greg Gutfeld, which I think is another amazing story. But Stephen Colbert, he is objectively the worst comedian in late night. And he's also the most partisan comedian in late night, which just completely flips the script. You used to have Johnny Carson's writers sit down every night and ask themselves the question, what is going to make America laugh tonight? Stephen Colbert's writers sit down every night and think, what is what is going to make resistance boomers laugh tonight? And he wins because he has cornered that niche audience and he has built this loyal following among that niche because no longer do you need 15 million viewers to be the king of late night. You need a reliable three to four million viewers to be the king of late night. And this happens with the death of mass media and the death of popular culture in different sections of the economy. And that that's why Harry's Razors is going to feel more comfortable. They want to be the Razors for progressives. It's like the dumb Gillette commercial. But, but look, I think what Colbert realized and a lot of a lot of these hosts is that you're not going to get a general market anymore. Exactly. Exactly. So they've abandoned the idea. Yes. And yeah. that's that's hyperpolarization. It's very 
scary to me. I, I was just it's, watching. It's smart on a business level, but not on a cultural level. It's I, terrifying. I was watching That's Johnny Carson last you know, night. Start, starting tomorrow, really? everybody yeah. on the show has to wear MAGA hats with Trump 2024 on oh, it because no. we've realized. You know, it's, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking this dialogue last night yeah. watching Johnny uh, Johnny Carson, and what I was watching was the Drew Carey, his first appearance on Carson oh, 91, wow. and Johnny is so was such a loving host. All he, like his favorite thing to do is show new talent to the world. Right. But it was all centralized at that time in the in the early 90s, 80s before the internet. There weren't a million comedians. Now there's like a million. There's like a hundred thousand or ten thousand. So you can't. There's no like funnel to, to hose them through. It's a completely yeah, different you know, environment. Totally. The fact that that show still exists is insane. Yep. It's, it's the wrong format for the, a wild mar- doesn't make And he wasn't apolitical, by the way. He told political jokes, but they were jokes that everybody could laugh at. Mm. So Let me, I, I want to hit, hit, hit just, just my take on this is that a lot of people pointed out that we do have this sort of um, breakup of central pop culture and certainly breakup of media but it there have been times in America's history where we've had uh mm-hmm. huge flourishings of alternate viewpoints uh, if you go back to the founding and you look at the printing press if you look in the 1900s at the level of the amount of newspapers each city used to have mm-hmm. um this idea that all media has to be centralized and that everybody has to can only watch you know 3 6 and 10 and there's only a couple of networks that was just one moment in American history and it's certainly not the it, it, talk we radio talk it, radio yeah. has been around yeah we really do yeah talk radio has been was around prior to World War Two right, but but right. then you need you need so it, institutions like the New York Times to stop pretending they represent or they're reporting on the entire country L- right. let me show Neutral. you where this is headed I found this article from March fourth today. From Defector. It's titled, I watched a Ben Shapiro movie by accident. (laughs) (laughs) How do you watch a, how do you go to the Daily Wire by accident? Sure, whatever, but they write, quote, if you're looking for something to watch, Shut In is pretty fun (laughs) and Vincent Gallo gets his ass kicked if you're in that sort of thing. That's a tweet I wrote a couple weeks ago late on a Saturday night. It no longer exists. The reason it doesn't exist is because almost immediately after I posted it, I got a DM from a friend. Uh, you know that movie was produced by the ultra right wing Daily Wire with, <laughs> with only ultra right wing producers, talent, and so forth for that market. Uh, what? No, no, delete, delete, what? <laughs> yep, they're trying to make real movies now. Sneak that ish in under the actual cover of actual production values. Wow. For F's sake, this always happens to me. It always happens to you, huh? I will be watching an ultra-evangelical movie and not realize it's ultra-evangelical. I will be listening to Christian radio and not realize it's Christian radio. If Jesus is around, I need him to announce himself, or I'll just think he's from Brooklyn. I'm sorry, Brooklyn. That's hilarious. Here's the funny thing. How do you accidentally listen to ultra-Christian radio and be like, wait, are are these biblical topics Christian? Who is this person who's like... I, I actually naive. look what they're saying. They're saying I enjoy conservative content. Okay. I enjoy these movies. Okay. I enjoy Christian radio. Oh no, I'm not supposed to delete, delete, delete. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know you're dealing with a cult, mm. right? Exactly. They that's like cult, something. Typical cult behavior. It's a cult, man. You know, I watch Disney. I've, I I went and I went. Uh, I saw Ghostbusters 2016. I regretted it, but <laughs> I'll go see those movies. And then I went and saw the new Ghost new Ghostbusters. I liked it. I, I watch. Uh, uh, I, I read the Daily Wire. You know, I check out the stuff they're producing or whoever because I'm like, oh, if someone can make something good, it's good. I'm now getting to the point where I'm like, get away from these companies that hate you and want to take your money for bad things. But maybe that's kind of the mentality they've always had. And and the, you know, libertarian, civil libertarian or conservative side is only just now realizing it. Mm. For the longest time, conservatives have been content to give their money to people who hate them. And the left has always been 
against giving their money to people who hate them. I don't think conservatives realized how much these people hated them because I don't think they realized what was brewing um, in the sort of academic, on the fringes of the academic left, which was this thing that I've called the progressive or bigot binary, which is that you are either necessarily progressive or a bigot. So if you are not fully progressive at every turn and you don't agree with every little tenet of our idea or our faith, I should say, then you are a bigot. If you fall just outside of that, you're a bigot. And when you enforce that, I just don't think a lot of conservatives realized that this is what was building, that like if you disagree with them, um, if, if you disagree with them at all, it's not just that you think Clarence Thomas is innocent because it's the early 90s. Now it's if you think Brett Kavanaugh is innocent, you are responsible um, for being you're complicit in rape mm-hmm. um, and you have uh, you, you have created violence against women. I don't you know, I just I don't care about what these people think <laughs> in terms, you know, to, to a certain degree. Because because of things stories like this, right? It's it's yes. it's just well we 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 the country's bifurcated. The, the, there was a there was a period where we had a culture war. I think the culture is just totally bifurcated, mm-hmm. like a thousand times over and over and over and over. Now well, I so mean, many pockets of weirdness. When 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 we started when the culture war first began, depending on what you think was the first great moment in it, it could be Occupy Wall Street because that's where mm-hmm. I think the issue is most people didn't see the wokeness in the organization of Occupy. Yes. But Gamergate was pronounced widespread on the internet and was bubbling up and creating these personalities who were, you know, always viewed themselves as being on the left, but now viewed themselves as being called right wing. At that time, we were still very much interested in a lot of the same things, just disagreeing on them. Now we're at a point where it's like, you guys go make your The Craft remake, which is just a woke PSA, and Ben Shapiro and The Daily Wire will make regular movies that we'll watch. Right. And that's the thing that Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire get is that they need to make regular movies. And that has not happened before. That's the big difference between what they're doing and all of the other so-called conservative art that's come before them. I've got a lot of friends on Facebook from the old days when I was a progressive bigot, like you were saying. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, they don't, they don't, they want me to, whatever. Okay. Um, they're like, now they're, they're talking about serving other people. This new, the show with Solinsky is the, the lead. Right. And they're like, Oh, I hear this show's okay. I can't wait to see it. And they're like, Yeah, man, I loved it. I'm definitely watching this tonight. I know what I got queued up. <laughs> which, serving which Netflix people. just put back on in the midst of the Ukraine war. Netflix just brought Servant of the People, which is Zelensky's is it was a sitcom where he right. played the president of Ukraine. Uh, back in 2015, then he ran and actually became the president of Ukraine. So Netflix US has now put Netflix, put this back on Netflix in English. I feel like they're watching it because Ukraine got invaded. I mean, it's pure oh, cult. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's just obvious. You go on Facebook and I see all these people, their, their profiles are Ukraine flags now. They're posting memes. They're, they're saying like things about Zelensky. People are saying like Cuomo's out, Zelensky's in or whatever. And I'm just like, oh gosh. you guys oh, have yeah. no idea what you're talking Cringe. about. You're literally in a cult. And you know why? You know, it, it's this simple. You ask someone, what do you think about Ukraine? A not cult member says, you know, I've heard about it in the news. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not real, you know, following, following it. I don't like the war. So Russia sucks for invading, but I wouldn't know a whole lot. What do you think about Zelensky? Who's that? He's mm-hmm. the president of Ukraine. Huh, no idea. The cult members are like, yes, yes, Ukraine, flag. And, and I'm like, why do you support Ukraine? Mm-hmm. Because big country invaded small country. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Kamala. Yeah. And <laughs> the president is a comedian. Yeah. And that's yeah. all they need. Mm-hmm. 
I think there are people and then Ian's in like, the call. And I love Ian because he's like, hey, who's this guy, Igor Kolomoisky, who seems to be funding all of these things? <laughs> oh, yeah. So Kolomoisky started <laughs> the TV show. So he funded the, the TV show, the funded the campaign, yes, yes. also funds wow, the Azov Battalion, by the way, and the ADAR Sucks. Battalion, uh, started funding them as private security battalions for himself and his own militia. He was a governor at one point. We've all done that. No, we have. We have. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, and, you know, but we're not supposed to ask questions about Kolomoisky. No, 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 no. This is, you know, a, a liberal democracy that we all love. But what about all those corruption reports and Hunter Biden and Burisma and all this money and the Podestas and Manafort mm-hmm. and all of these things? You know, isn't this like a human trafficking area? Hasn't this been known for it? And obviously, we don't want it to be corrupt. We would like it to be, you know, a, a stable country. But, you know, what about all of this, you know, reporting and facts? Dude, the Kolomoisky thing. Okay, so he started serving the people the TV show, or he he so he had he ran or owned the the, he owned the network the network that yeah. ran this show, and then he hired Zelensky to be that role, and then he started a political party called the Servant of the People, <laughs> named after the show, and then he got Zelensky to be the his candidate. It's the most Ian transparent fascist crazy. His vision board. Well, call it, call it whatever you want. I'll take a breath. But this, this should be an example to everyone listening why it's so important to build culture. Why it's so important to make TV shows, Mm. make cartoons, make jokes. Freedom Tunes has a new cartoon out today. I did the voice of Doc. It was a lot of work. We took like half an hour to record this. But, uh, uh, if you guys aren't familiar, we have Seamus on the show periodically. This is humor. It's making fun of Dr. Fauci. So the, the joke that, uh, I don't want to, you know, you gotta watch it, but the general idea is, Dr. Fauci hasn't been on TV in months or a month or plus Mm -hmm. since everyone pivoted over to Ukraine from COVID. So the joke is he keeps calling like, hello, is anybody there? Like, why don't you answer your phone? We're making fun of what the establishment props up, what all the cult members, when they're all waving their flags and claiming, you know, all these things and saying how much they love Fauci or when uh, Stephen Colbert had the dancing syringes or whatever, whatever he did. Or who was it who did the thing where they spun up from, there's like a camera angle going up. I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. No, 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 it was Corden, Jim, James Corden. They they dance and it's a picture of Fauci. They're all kind of the same. (laughs) I know. So we, like, we make fun of that. That gives people a space. They feel like they're not alone. But also going back to what you were saying before with the Daily Wire and, and creating movies, it's showing all of these people who don't like what's happening in their workplace. Mm-hmm. There is another place you can work. I'll yep. tell you that. In, yep. in, in, in addition to making art that shows how ridiculous things are, you can make art like I can make a show where you become the president. And in the show, you're a hero and people love you and you save the world. And if that people that becomes a popular enough show, people will want you to be the well, president. You know why they made Men in Black, right? No, not no. Yeah, you, you guys know the movie Men in Black, of course. Yeah, yeah the, the, the government made that man. Oh, it's alien sh- propaganda? No, because now, <laughs> oh now, gosh. when you try and prove that the Men in Black are real, no one believes you because it's, it's, it's a movie, man. Yeah. No, that's, a, that, that that, that's an actual conspiracy well, theory. Well, the X-Files, too. Yeah, the, like, yeah. The, there's actually a conspiracy theory that the government funds movies so that when you want to talk to someone about the conspiracy theory, they say, that's a movie, dude. What are you talking about? Well, so they do fund more movies than people realize. Um, the, actually, in, in fact, the new uh, Top Gun movie where the it kind of made headlines because the bomber jacket, uh, yeah, Maverick's yeah, yeah, bomber yeah. jacket, had the Taiwanese, Taiwanese right. flag and the Japanese flag taken off. <laughs> well, it turns out, actually, and if you really dig into this, the Pentagon, it sounds like a conspiracy theory, it isn't, um, actually provided a lot of resources to that movie. And they used training drills, actually 
actually to be scenes in the movie. So it works out great for Hollywood and it works out great for the Pentagon because they want to have the U.S. military look good and all of that stuff. But what it means is that our government resources were complicit in moving the removing the Taiwanese flag from the bomber jacket. And it creates this ridiculous cycle. Um, but they absolutely the Pentagon absolutely provides resources and what you could clearly say is x amount of dollars to these movies when you guys were saying how we centralize stuff three five and eight the, the three channels you know it's very new it's very like we had the printing press then all of a sudden we had tv and we had the centralized yeah. just tv itself and radio it's got to be mind controlling us like crazy it's so new in our species it evolution is. well so what's wild is that like and not not to delve too in, into ukraine specifically but you look at the reporting of it how many of the stories that we see initially come out of Ukraine and then it goes 24 to 48 hours and it's completely debunked, mm-hmm. right? right? And that's because we have the system that we have now. But prior to this, did we have anybody going, you know, how could you, right? How could you go to the newspaper and understand what was going on in World War II, right? Because you weren't on the ground. We didn't have this sort of instantaneous communication system like we do now where we can communicate with somebody in Ukraine, in Russia, in Belarus, in Poland, literally in real time to understand what's actually happening. And so we're getting these reports. And this is how people like Walter Durante for the New York Times were able to completely cover up things like the Holodomor, uh, like people like Edgar Snow in in China were able to talk about uh, the Chinese Cultural Revolution and the Chinese Great Famine as if, oh, no, they weren't happening. It's this wonderful thing. It's Chinese communism, right? Because you didn't have somebody do that. So the question then becomes, if that's what's happening in Ukraine and we can see, right, we can see this stuff being debunked, everything almost within 24 to 48 hours, or at least the initial frame is always kind of like slightly different. Like, oh, they hit a, you know, they hit a shopping mall. Oh, wait, but there were tanks operating out of that shopping mall and missile launchers, right? Um, so it, you know, you, you have to put it in a different context. Then what does that mean for the rest of history? Mm-hmm. His yeah. story, dude. Yeah, yeah. His story. Some dude wrote his it. Story, yeah, I don't buy story. it. Right, right. I don't believe any of it. The Bible, that's uh, all his story, man. <laughs> There's this, uh, there well, the Bible was, is. There was this story. thing we had back in the day when I was a little kid called bathroom readers. You ever hear of them? They're oh, yeah. big books Bunch that you were supposed to buy full of trivia and you'd just like put in your bathroom. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I only on – the, on the bottom of every page was a factoid and that's what I mostly <laughs> enjoyed reading. But there was a story in one of them about how there's this great painting of American revolutionary soldiers chasing off a bunch of fumbling, stumbling regulars. And they say that the original painting was fumbling, stumbling – a revolutionary, you know, uh, Continental Army fleeing br- a well-regulated, you know, British regulars, mm. and then w- every time the p- the painting got recommissioned or the story was retold, it became more <laughs> and more lopsided in it favor changed. of the the, the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, people were then five years out from what actually happened, then ten years out, right? And so someone would tell the story of this battle, and it would get embellished a little bit, and then eventually. American patriotism, they're going to be like, the Americans, they fought hard and they chased away those spineless cowards. And then you get this image that's totally unrealistic. Uh, Napoleon was great at that. He had paintings commissioned of all his officers, his top ones, and make them all look beautiful. And like, <laughs> you know, they're not that they weren't, but there weren't, there wasn't photography. So my, my take on this is that, um, when you look at like Instagram culture now and filters and, you know, photoshopping and face app and all of that, that's just, that's just what humans have been doing for years, but only the, the elites could actually afford it. So whoever was commissioning the sculpture, right, with the emperor of Rome, well, of course they're going to say, you know, you're going to make me look like this perfectly chiseled, you know, features 
emperors and everything, or the pharaoh, or the king, or whatever aristocrat it was. Um, but then, like, the first English queen that we actually have photos of, I think, is Queen Victoria. So look at a photo of Queen Victoria <laughs> next to the painting of Queen Victoria, yeah, and you're different. like, hey, wait a second. What would on? Donald Trump say about Queen Victoria? Right? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. What, what, what's her thing? No, seeing a, if you present oh, Donald yeah. Trump with a picture of Queen Victoria, <laughs> how does he react? No. All right, you know, let's let's let's. I'll be into it. Let's I'll just. Him see him. <laughs> There's a bunch of stories we can choose. I'm choosing this one because yeah. sometimes we need a little inane, inanity. Inanity. Yeah. Uh, this is from Fox News. Nicole Hannah Jones goes off on tipping <laughs> as a legacy of slavery what? deletes the tweet. Hannah Jones clashed with historian Phil tipping? Magnus over the history of tipping. Well, so here's what happened, right? Everything is slavery. Yeah. Well, hold, you can also hold, just this, stop at Nicole Hannah Jones clashes with historian. Yeah, there's there there's two, two big things <laughs> happened. Which, yeah, it's actually kind of. <laughs> two big things happened from her tweet within the CRT community, within the woke community. One was that she's right, and the other was that she's racist. So let me read what she said first. She said, tipping is a legacy of slavery. And if it's not optional, then it shouldn't be a tip, but simply included in the bill. Have you ever stopped to think why we tip? Like, why tipping is a practice in the U.S. and almost nowhere else? Actually, tipping is widely practiced all, all over the world. Yeah. But uh, what some people immediately mm, said. It, it's, it's not, not huge Europe. in Asia. Yeah, it's, it's not, not huge Europe. in Asia or Europe. Well, it, it, it actually it was offensive in, in Asia. In Asia, yeah. It's, a, it's considered like a bribe almost. Well, well so uh, in some countries. The way we would consider a bribe. When, when you have bad service, you put extra money down. Saying you need help, do better. Like yeah. I, you need you need my charity because your business is doing bad. So it's considered like an affront to their honor. Oh. Like they they told you what right. it costs for their service. They right. provided you a service to give them more is to imply they're not doing well and they need help. But uh, it's it's kind of changing in a lot of the or that they more require Westerners. more to give you a higher level right. of help. Right in the in the West, it's like demanded anyway. But here's what happened. First, many people agreed with her. They were like, you know, the stereotype is that you know, black people don't tip well or whatever. And her, uh, that, that's what they were pointing out. Like her point is, you making someone give money for a bad tip is racist, and that's where the stereotype. I, I don't know if she said this explicitly, but people were saying the stereotype is that people who are black experience bad service because of racism. Oh, I see. That's why they don't okay, tip. I see. That's why there's a stereotype about not tipping is because they're mistreated for being black. Other people said you're literally reinforcing a stereotype about about you know these diners. So my point on all of this is. Honestly, I have no idea. I have no opinion because I've not been a server or experienced that. I can just say, no matter what you do, it's racist. Yep. Even when you're Nicole Hannah-Jones, she, she's the 1619 Project, right? Yeah. yeah. She, even she's racist. So there's no out. All of you, everyone, at, at all times, even the person who claims everyone else is racist, is racist too. Yep. And so uh, I don't know what, the aristocrats or something? Well, Tim, you're obviously the wrong person to talk about this. I mean, you're so bad at diners, you can't even get a reservation oh. at one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How come you didn't get a reservation for that diner anyway? Yeah, it's so, so crazy, weird. Right? Yeah. yeah. I guess it's you can't. The, isn't that the weirdest thing in the world to me? Dude, I was or, a waiter. Isn't the weirdest thing in the world? It is to me. I was a waiter for about a decade on mm. and off. What about what about you, Emily? Were you ever? No, I was a camp counselor. Oh, cool. Ooh, yes. I worked at a bakery, so like bakery slash deli, so we served food, but it wasn't like with seating. We did the tip, seating, everything. I, yeah, no I had one time I had a couple of older women left me a nickel. Just so I knew that they didn't forget to tip me. <laughs> that was insulting. That was when I was early. And they there were, was a, there's sure. an old, uh, 30 Rock episode where I forget the character's name, but it, um, 
and it's John Lithgow's character. And he goes, he goes, I'm going to revolutionize the, the practice of tipping. I always thought this was great where he goes and he, he, the wait, the wager, I think it's a wager. She comes down and he go, he just plops a stack of ones on the table and he goes, do you see this right here? This represents your potential tip. Now, <laughs> if the, if the surface is good, the tip will grow. But if it is poor, the tip will shrink. <laughs> the final number is up to you. Wow. Make it a game show. It was great. Oh, yeah. I thought it was great. A lot of waiters and waiters. I've always thought of actually doing that. They tell me, like, pretty sure you're, by the way, if you try that in real life, I'm pretty sure your food would get spat in very quickly. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Not very if you put quickly. a uh, hundred, you know, a hundred dollar bill or, or, you know, ten hundreds on the table and say, I got a thousand bucks, you know, or however many ready and waiting for you. As the service declines, the hundreds get removed. So let's see how, how much you can make at the end of the day. I don't think they'll spit in your food. I'll cheat, think they'll cheat be like, code for flights. Tip your weight, uh, tip your, uh, sortices. Oh, okay. when you, you first come on, totally. Um, go to the Starbucks, get like, $10 oh, gift card, right. $15 gift card right there in, you know, while you're, while you're waiting to get out in the terminal, just walk on. Even if you only give it to one, right? They'll tell the others and they, they know where you are, right? And I, I guarantee sure you, your, flight, your flight will well, be well, way And when better. you go to the bar, what, what tip you, the bartender before you start ordering drinks. Yeah. Because then they love you all night. Yeah. What do you think oh. would happen if you were sitting on a plane? And like this, the flight attendant came over and said, "Sir, I'm sorry, you have to wear a mask." And you just handed her a hundred dollar bill instead, <laughs> and been like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Here you go." And like, you know, Here's I'm sorry. Mask. They need to wear your mask. Yeah. Right, right, right. When right. I was waiting tables, uh, I George Washington. a lot of other a, a lot of other servers would pair up this thing you're saying that black families were, would not tip well, and I hated it. And so it was I did a stereotype. Yeah, I, I, one time I had like a family of like five or something. I think I'm remembering this relatively clearly, and they're black people. I don't even think no, no, their skin was like darker than mine. Whatever the hell that means. I'm, I'm not white, by the way. Uh, I'm pink. Uh, so any of these people, I was like, I'm, I don't care. I'm not playing this game. I gave them the best service I could. And they didn't leave me a good tip. It was really bad. And I just thought they didn't have enough money. I didn't care. It wasn't racist. I don't care. You know, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. You pay, it's a tip. It's extra. It's not meant, to, you know. Yep. My issue is that you get money on the left saying, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out to eat. And then I'm just like, you know, I was thinking about that. And I was like, if you can't afford an electric car, you can't afford to drive. There you right. go. Right? Fair. So all the environmentalists who are like gas is destroying the planet that's my response to them you know look climate change is bad if you want to enact policies over climate change then you got to put up or shut up Mm -hmm. so don't come to me and be like we got to change the wages because you know if you can't afford a tip and i'm like okay well then like don't come to me and say you have a problem with carbon emissions when you're literally a component of the problem choose not to be a part of that problem there's no coherence when i was in ohio waiting tables i was making two dollars and thirteen cents an hour at minimum that was the minimum server wage Yikes. because you expect to get tips it's, it's, to get it's, tips, it's yeah. woven into the process now yep. so we can undo that but then right. went to california i got minimum wage 12 bucks an hour and then tips on top of it that's a california law um i guess we could I no I, I just there they they, they super chat the Daily Wire wrote about me. We're making a big circle here. <laughs> <laughs> about, they've all oh, read that was yeah. fast. <laughs> Absolutely that was fantastic, fast. brilliant. That's one of the funniest <laughs> commercials. I think you might have actually said all that stuff. Yeah, I did say all that stuff. Yeah, um, here, here, I second the it. Daily Wire. Well, knows the power I haven't of seen the commercial. I was talking to some of the so Daily Wire people. So now they're going to write an article, Tim Pool raves about yeah. the Daily Wire's reporting <laughs> yeah. of the Daily Wire. It's a circle. more to it. And here's media bias in a nutshell. What is the byline there? The author of the story, his name is Tim. Ooh, oh, they know what they were doing. Yeah. 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 Timception. Okay, I got Tim on Tim. I got to I gotta, I gotta wonder. Hold on. Timception. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm wondering if like uh, Jeremy or Banner or somebody at the Daily Wire 
saw my video this morning and then came in and said, can someone write this up? Because yeah. it's free advertising for us. Yeah, so yeah. let's yeah, shout it out. Oh, totally, yeah. Or, or maybe this Tim Meads guy was like, hey, did you see Tim did a video? Can I write this up? His and they were like, Tim yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will groom with that thing on air if you send me one. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> groom with the, uh, well, Jeremy's Racers. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> Shave. <laughs> Just Sounds like some QAnon yeah. stuff. But don't, don't, well, but, but if, if, you, an and if you get caught, hopefully you get, uh, Judge Kataji Brown Jackson as right. your, yeah. oh, so Kataji Brown. She'll give you a lighter, a lighter sentence. Emily, right. you've been falling, so you think she's legitimate? Katanji Brown? Yeah. Uh, would define legitimate. Well, are, do you support her for Supreme Court? No, 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 no. I mean, I think she's an activist. Um, I think she's an activist judge. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's an interesting question because the Senate's sort of caught in this period where there used to be courtesy, um, votes in favor of a president's nominee, right? And then they got away from that. And so now you still have the people like the Mitt Romneys of the world and the Lindsey Grahams of the world and the Susan Collins of the world who think, you know, if somebody is qualified, we give them the courtesy vote they're the president's choice etc cetera, etc cetera. but nobody on the left or the right i mean that's that's a minority position on the left or the right and the left and the right will pretend that's the consensus position um in when it is favorable to them but this is a case where you have very much an activist judge and you have this this questioning process it's sort of a given that she's going to be confirmed um but the questioning process is being treated as though in in a number of different ways like i sat down with marsha blackburn last week and i said to her there is a 100% chance that next week you are going to be called a racist it is inevitable that whatever you say in your questioning you are going to be called a racist how do you respond to that? Is it time for Republicans? And I actually mentioned Ron DeSantis to start flipping these questions, to start mm-hmm. um, changing the narrative and to stop accepting the premises of these questions. Um, and I think we see a little bit of grappling with that on the right. You definitely see it in DeSantis. You definitely see it with Trump. But I'm not sure that everyone has, has fully gotten to it, because when you look at what happened with the Kavanaugh confirmation hearing, as has been invoked by many senators just in the early days of uh, Judge Brown Jackson, Judge Brown Jackson's confirmation hearing it's night and day i mean it's incredible how you have dick durbin coming out and saying some of the questions to judge jackson have been uh you know teetering near the line and i was like well, what the hell were you guys doing with kavanaugh then what were you doing questioning amy coney barrett's faith what were you doing um what was the media doing when they were talking about whether she might be a racist because ibram x kendi best-selling author ibram x kendi extremely powerful <laughs> author and commentator ibram x kendi comparing her to a white colonizer because she adopted black children mm-hmm. a little bit a little was, bit close to the line there dick yep, yep. i was speaking at an event and uh we had it we, we opened up for questions and uh sticks hexenhammer was you know coming in via zoom or what wasn't zoom, it was it skype or whatever back then and someone asked a question about defending an individual for something they had said and the individual was like a white nationalist or something mm. so it felt kind of like a woke journalist tee up yes. to write about and uh, as soon as it came up, I was like, are you referring to that guy who's, you know, who, who has been reported to be a white nationalist? Is that what you're trying to ask about? And then Sticks immediately came in and he said, we shouldn't dismiss people based on opinions that aren't relevant to the conversation. We should answer to the, the, the topic that's being brought mm-hmm. up before us so we can actually question the idea. You know, we can't fall into that trap of someone being a bad person and all of a sudden the idea they present is dismissed outright because the person who said it's bad. Anybody could have an idea like two plus two is four. You know, what do they say? Hitler had a dog too, right? And I, I just thought that was an excellent response. Mm. So, you know, uh, bring this up, when we're looking at what's happening with uh, the media trying to accuse you or smear you as being racist, it's just you have to completely disregard it as, as mm-hmm. unserious and irrelevant. But the problem I think we have is that many Republicans – 
care more about the opinion of the New York Times than their yeah. own constituents. Yeah, they still do. And that's what's, that is what is confounding. And because, so, yeah, go ahead. No, well, I was just going to say, so you've seen Senator Hawley, right? Who's really done the work. You know, that's the new phrase right now. Do the work. Um, he's actually done the work of digging up her record on these lighter than required sentences, lighter than, lighter than suggested sentences for child porn offenders and child porn distribution. We oh, should yeah. probably talk about this issue because she's bringing up, you know, saying, well, it's different now. These laws were written, uh, during a time of child pornography distribution by mail. And so it was harder to accumulate, um, this many, uh, this such a large volume of it. And so because of each instance of possessing an item of child, you know, child pornography, then it beca- it meant that that person was a more serious offender. But because of the Internet now, it is easier to accumulate large volumes. And so it created what she called a disparity in the system. Whereas, you know, I think most normal people looking at that would say, well, doesn't that just mean it's easier to victimize children? So we right. should probably be harder against it because it's so much easier to victimize children with child porn other than when it was in the past and you had to do this very surreptitiously. Um, and it also strikes me to that point as what you just said, that that's a very activist argument, right? If you yeah, don't like the it's law. It's a weird thing to be an activist for, to be completely honest. Right. You know, isn't that, isn't that that thing, you know, you know, if somebody keeps talking about it, then they, you know, we have to ask questions about why they keep talking about it. Well, why is this the one thing that she seems to be such an activist for, you know, uh, apologizing? I'm so sorry that you're going to feel shunned now by society. You know, I, I think that, you know, you're a good kid and you only really need three months. I mean, it was just a couple of eight year olds. You're not that much older. This actually was something that she said during Jeez, a sentencing at one man. point that 18 isn't that much older than eight. So it's not that bad isn't there a recording of hillary clinton laughing or something like a child victim or something mm, like that yes yeah she was she was laughing it was in court yeah i would have to go back and look at the i, I think she was she was involved she was arguing a case in arkansas if i'm remembering correctly she was defending, yeah. the, rape, she was yeah. defending the rapist right right yeah yeah um but but this is the thing with even the people attacking holly admit that what Judge Jackson did was predicated on this distinction, just as as Jack just explained. And yet you have the media, George Stephanopoulos, literally saying that Hawley's claims have been debunked by a fact checker, debunked by a fact checker. That's a man who purports to be an anchor at a neutral news network saying that it's been debunked by a fact checker, which completely neutralizes the argument to the public as though Josh Hawley is some insane person who's peddling outright lies. But even the defenders, even the people who are attacking Hawley are saying that what he said is accurate. They just say, listen, there's this argument in criminal justice reform circles that you can, you really do need to give lighter sentences in these cases that the congressional mandatory minimum is wrong. And so is there maybe merit to that argument? I don't know. Perhaps. I mean, it sounds like it, well, it has if, substance. If she wants to make that argument, she can run for Congress. Exactly. And yes. she right. can change the law because that's how separation of powers works. Mm-hmm. The legislative body is the one that's supposed to do that, not the justice. And we don't need more judicial activism on the court. And certainly we don't need judicial activism when it comes to child pornography. You, you, you see what's yeah. going on now with the this political report of this. Democrats are trying to get Joe Biden to bypass Congress to push forward the progressive agenda Mm -hmm. because they know Congress is basically deadlocked. Mm -hmm. So it just sounds more and more with these activist judges that our traditional legislative system has failed a long time ago. I think most people agree this approval for Congress is just absolutely in the gutter. It's like record lows. So everyone's just sitting there saying, well, 
representative democracy for legislation doesn't work, get a judge to just bang a hammer or get Joe Biden to sign a paper. Well, and that's the right point here, because that's exactly why we have these super bitter Supreme Court confirmation battles. It's because the legislative branch has kicked the can to the judiciary and to the executive because they no longer function as the legislative branch should. 100%. Yeah, it's it's actually really, really scary. I mean, when was the last time that Congress declared war? Right. World War II. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Really? 1941. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's scary. Uh, following Pearl Harbor, right? So yep. I think the ninth. Yeah, I mean the ba- like we take for granted how actually dysfunctional our system is. Like obviously we know it's dysfunctional, but we take for granted how deep the dysfunction is and how like actually foundational, fundamental it is to the way we operate as a country. Yeah, when we started the country, it was a bunch of private sector dudes, bunch of and their wives who we barely right. know any much about. But they they basically got together and started a new government. And it's like I look at this poorly run government with a bunch of bureaucrats that are in there for life. I don't, I don't know if it's salvageable. I want to be the guy that's like, I want to preserve the, the, the republic. But it's, I, well, I was telling you earlier about underst- Lou Bay from the, the Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Three he was kingdoms, obsessed yeah. with restoring the government and he just couldn't, it was a failed attempt. But the reason for this is that the left understood a generation ago, right? And the right is only starting to kind of understand what happened, that their policy prescriptions would not, you know, prevail at the ballot box. So if they could find a bureaucratic, or judicial fix for it, then they would go through that way. So they get their legislation from the bench, and you've seen so many of these social conservative issues or just social issues in general mm-hmm. be decided through Supreme Court cases. Obergefell. Ra- Obergefell, or even Roe v. Roe Wade. Wade. Roe v. Yeah. Wade. Um, I think yeah. the quintessential, uh, you know. KCV Planned Parenthood. Right, so these, these are yeah. all Supreme Court cases. These are not, this was not the original role of the Supreme Court whatsoever. Yeah. And the idea that Katanji Brown Jackson is saying this sort of stuff. She's actually getting upset that Hawley is calling these things into question because to her mind, as a a progressive activist judge, she believes that is the role of the judge to correct what she sees herself as issues in the law. Because, of course, that's how you correct it. That's what the judiciary is for, right? right? The legislative, I mean, that withered and died on the vine years ago. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's seeing your, it's the, that is baked into the role as people see it on the left. That, like, of course, of course, you're offering these corrections. That's what you exist to do. And it's a huge disconnect between left and right. But it's also just a huge dis- disconnect between the left and the Constitution. Well, I don't think they much care about the Constitution. Oh, no, so. certainly. No. Regarding like <laughs> right, recovering yes. the Republic, uh, you had mentioned that if we were going to do that, it would be like we take the pieces of it that work and then create new things or, or strip away things that are broken. Like, are there specific things you'd like to keep and are there specific ones you'd like to Well, I mean, I, I think that Congress obviously – so Congress abrogated its role um, of sovereignty a long, long time ago, right? And so, you know, something, you know, people talk about term limits, but certainly something needs to be done with terms for congressmen. I think that's, I, I don't know if term limits are the right thing because, you know, if you introduce term limits, then lobbyists are just going to run things even more than 100%. they do now, yeah. right? So term limits aren't necessarily the answer, but you've also got an issue in the executive because the executive and Yarvin writes about this, um, where the executive branch has essentially under and this was this is very Wilsonian. Wilson was very clear about doing this, you know, growing what he called the, you know, essentially the Leviathan, right? This this sort of the organic state was what he called it. Mm. Um we call it the administrative state or the permanent state, the bureaucracy, the civil service. So this idea that the Academy and the Ivory the, the Ivory Tower of the Ivy League would make decisions and then the executive kind of 
responds to that through these independent agencies and the bureaucracy is actually running the government. And so Congress, the Congress is there to just kind of rubber stamp those decisions. And this is where you get, you know, a Dr. Anthony Fauci from because he comes up not through He's not an elected official. Nobody ever voted for this guy. He's the most powerful bureaucrat in all of Washington, or he certainly was during the height of the pandemic. His pronounce, he would go on TV literally making pronouncements that would decide what your child could do in a local school, right? From DC. This was the complete opposite of how our system is supposed to work. And yet we all went along with it. The best was the double masking cycle. Huh. Where he got asked, <laughs> you know, Romney still does that double mask. Gosh. Romney so Fa- still Fauci, double mask. Fauci got asked about double masking, and they were like, "Isn't it common sense that two masks would be good?" And he's like, "Yes, of course, two masks would be good." And then he comes out later having to, no, 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 no. There's no advice saying you should do it. And then the CD, the CDC comes out and says, "Yeah, you should double mask." Yeah. Like the idea of double masking just came from him off the cuff saying it makes sense to do. Right. Someone heard him say it and then typed it in and pressed enter, and then all of a sudden everybody was doing it. And by the way, masks are bad, and they're taking masks away from our first responders. That's right. And that's yeah. a, of course that's a, what Fauci and the CDC and actually basically our entire federal government was saying. And again, these people do not understand, and they have not yet reckoned with the level of distrust that exists in the public but the big thing is not only do they have to like reckon with that they have to not see it as just abject bigotry right like this is anybody who disagrees with me is an idiot toothless rube bigot they have to understand actually why people distrust them and understand that the blame lies with them but that is what they will absolutely never do well that was the point I, i mentioned earlier where someone tweeted you know, it's time to remind everybody that Brett Kavanaugh was credibly accused yep. by Christine Blasey Ford and Republicans didn't care. And it's like, no, it's because it was made up. Yep. It didn't happen. Why, you wouldn't need to put the word credibly in front of it <laughs> if it was legitimate. Right. And it was like 30 years ago, her own friends said she didn't remember it. Didn't even, didn't even know if it was Brett, and they're trying to make it seem like. Yeah, let, let me just tell you, man. Republicans, it was Squee. Remember Squee? Squee. Yeah. Let me let me just let me just say friends. say naughty words on I'm you sorry, for but a moment. He had let me the calendar. Let me yes, the <laughs> yes, calendar. True. Beers, beers, babes. <laughs> beers with Squee. They accused a federal judge of being party to gang rapes. Plural. Oh, excuse yeah. me, not just they. Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper, this paragon of, we're supposed to believe that he's the most, uh, you know, right down the line, just calling balls and strikes. He had who on air, right? Michael Avenatti yep. and Julie Setwick <laughs> was the client at the time. Yep. Come on, accusing Brett Kavanaugh at the time, a federal judge and going up for the highest court in the land, accused him of being a member of a gang rape, uh, Frat. You know, you know, frat. They were during with, high school in the pages and running of the New Yorker. What did they say? Like on they, air, they they would line up outside of a room with like a woman inside, and they would go in and just you know right. take turns. That's insane. There's mm-hmm. there's no evidence for anything like that, and and no no sane person would believe such a ridiculous story. But you know what, man? They just keep saying it. So I have to wonder how many people actually believe at this point what yes. they keep saying. But And this is a point that I've made about the riots in the summer of 2020. And, and I think it's a mistake the right makes sometimes is that like we just are like, oh, it, crazy people, et cetera, et cetera. But people rioting in 2020 have been told for their entire lives, 
Um, so I was born in 1993, but even people younger than me, they have been told their entire lives that they live in a country that is dripping with racism, systemic racism, that it is evil. And they've been told this from every institution, sexism, racism, all of these things are institutional. Their institutions are telling them that. And so what do you expect is going to happen in this country? You have to find a way to sort of like penetrate that audience, make that argument reasonably, because people have been indoctrinated to the point where they believe. And I think reasonably so, if all of your institutions are telling you this, for years and years and years. Everyone, everyone is telling you this. Oprah's telling you this. Your teachers are telling you this. It's coming from everyone. I mean, yeah, you might riot. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, 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 it's not right, but yeah. you can understand the, the sort of impetus for it. The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command. And if all others accepted the lie, which the party imposed, if all records told the same tale, then the lie passed into history and became truth. George Orwell. Orwell. Yeah. Yep. That's why I just love it when Joe Biden's like, I was in a secure meeting with the military officer who said there's going to be a new world order. And they're like, that didn't happen. That's a conspiracy. Right. So you can, you actually see it now. It's, it's like, it's like they, it's like somebody gets on the phone, right? And calls up and says, Oh, you've got to get the fact checkers out. You know, someone, so a fact there's checker a red is now, phone at the New York Times. Right. So the, the fact checkers, that's actually, if you understand the NPC meme, the non-player character meme. So a fact check is actually just a software upgrade for the NPCs that you have to push out every time someone short circuits the false reality, oh. short circuits the simulation. Like a patch. And they, they cut, right. So it's a patch that has to be up, pushed out every time one of the NPCs comes into contact with actual reality. Oh. Right. So anytime that Joe Biden comes out and says, oh, by the way, there's a new world order. And I was just talking to the secret military about this in this meeting. They have to push out. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> just so you know. Or, you know, Josh Hawley comes up and says, hey, how come you were given all these, uh, you know, child porn traffickers, these, you know, these light sentences. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We have to put out a fact check. And if you notice, and Lydia, you were even talking about this earlier, that in the fact checks, right, all the fact checks admitted that Holly was correct. Yes, yep. they did. But they yep. just Fox, kind of, reason. Yeah, you can right. go down but they, the line. But they, ex- they try to explain it away. It's yeah. very And yet they Everyone label it, it as a fact check. Yep. And it never once well, says fact check true, because yeah. it was. <laughs> this is, they just say it's been fact checked. Yep. I included this. I did a segment <laughs> earlier on the Joe Biden New World Order thing, and there's a website called Logically that is a fact checker. And they said – you know, uh, Ukrainian MP passively mentioned a new world order triggering widespread conspiracies. It was taken out of context. And here's what they did. It was an amazing, it was, it was actually, well, I shouldn't say amazing. It was amazing that they attempted to pull this off. They said, the new world order conspiracy theory is very similar to the Great Reset. And the Great Reset <laughs> conspiracy is just wrong. To, the, the Ukrainian MP was not talking about any kind of Great Reset. And I'm like, yes, she wasn't. She literally said new world order. Yeah. But they just did this leapfrog where it's like, did the Ukrainian MP discuss a conspiracy about a Great Reset? False. While she did say she's fighting for a new world order, she did not talk about a Great Reset. That's the game they play. It's so, like, you're right. They are both similar in the extent that they're both the explicit ambitions of the global elite. <laughs> so if these people yes. are lying to you, and we know they've lied to us about Kavanaugh, we know they've lied to us about uh, Russiagate, we can see that they're lying to us in real time about Judge Jackson. Yet we're told that we have to believe every single utterance they make about what's happening in Ukraine thousands of miles away where we don't have direct contacts unless you're going to these places like Telegram, like, you know, using VPNs, getting other places, having to translate it to actually find out what's going on on the ground. Yet we're just supposed to take that all as true. Well, the 
basically the country expo- experienced a soft coup when Woodrow Wilson was president, when the Federal Reserve was yeah. formed and they took control and it's been, and they lied about it. We didn't know. People didn't know about it until 15 years ago. And then the internet broke out and loose change came out and you start to realize the, the Federal Reserve and the print, they, they lied the whole time. This whole organization has been, they pulled the wool over the American people's eyes to print their money and take their, their sons to war. So check this out. We talked about the value of a nickel on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we read somewhere that it was like a nickel is 75%, what I think copper and 25% nickel. And because nickel is skyrocketing in value, like the actual metal, that the, the value of a nickel is actually up. Uh, the value of a nickel right now is actually 10 cents. Mm. Now you can't destroy currency, but we're in this weird time where the legal currency of the nickel is worth less than what the actual metal so is weird, worth. Yeah. And so good luck buying nickels. No, 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 no joke. Yeah. Go online and try and get nickels for your business. It's it's no wonder there was a coin coin shortage during mm-hmm. COVID because people were probably hoarding all of their nickels because it's just the the nothing. I forgot why I brought this up. What were we talking about just a moment ago? <laughs> Nickel, man. Let's go deep. Oh, about the Federal Reserve. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. The Federal Reserve. I'm just thinking about how currency became completely nonsensical. It used to be that you, uh, you you'd have silver, dimes, nickels, and quarters were made of specific specific metals that had value, and and you knew that a quarter was a specific amount of that metal. Mm-hmm. Now, nothing makes sense. Pennies are made of like zinc. Yeah, copper plated zinc. Copper plated zinc. But nickels, for some reason, still have nickel. But now nickels through the roof, so that's not going to make sense for much longer. Yeah. The Federal Reserve, at some point, I'm just. I'm looking at these news reports about how the government was like, we hereby order all people to give their gold to the government. Just mm-hmm. think about when that, it was like 1933, right? Yeah, was I think it? that's when it was. When, when, when they were like, you have to turn all to of all your gold, gold over. Crazy. Imagine the government that. coming to your house and saying, you have to give us all your money. No. They're like, hey, Putin invaded Ukraine. You have to give us everything you own. Nah. Yeah, no, no joke. That's, and the war people effort. were just like, yep. Did you see this? Um, Hitler was a big I'm um, just seeing somebody come across that uh, this thing that Tucker had tonight about the FBI and oh, KBJ's wow. nomination. Interesting. So apparently Tucker got an email that went out uh, internally with the FBI in their L.A. office that the, L- the FBI's L.A. Women's and Black Affairs Committee held a nomination party for Katanji Brown Jackson. Um, the invitation reads, lots of celebrating. The party is set for March 23rd, so that's tomorrow. And... In a conference, Christy Coons Johnson, the assistant director in charge of the L.A. field office, is the featured speaker. So they're actually holding nomination parties for a partisan political appointee of the president of the United States in the FBI's office. Didn't you hear that they were they they had recently changed the name to uh, FBDI, the Federal Bureau of Democratic Investigations? Oh, (laughs) right. No, no, no. The FBI is totally neutral. Totally. Do not take sides. I also want to... F-B-D-I-A-W-H-R, the uh, Federal <laughs> Bureau of Democratic Investigations, and we hate Republicans. Well, it turns out we're all Republicans. Yeah, because we live right. in a republic. No, no, no. Oh, that. yes. No, we're but, all uh, Republicans because we're all irredeemable bigots. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, it. I think literally we're all, we're all living in a republic, so we're all Republicans. Yes, yes, but... You think. Except, as Stephen Marsh pointed on the show, I'm a half literal. the country is a multicultural democracy and the other half is a constitutional republic. We're and a they multicultural can't democracy of Republicans. That's actually a great point. Yeah, half <laughs> that the country doesn't, doesn't believe it or even acknowledge the constitutional republic, right? Um, I remember, you know, talking to people who had gone like to public school, you know, a friend of mine when I was, you know, still working, they would say, well, you know, did you know that we're actually not a democracy? And I looked at them like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, obviously, you know right? You know, how could you not know that? 
But they're like, but my whole life I was taught the United States is a democracy and mm. we need to be a democracy. So we need to get rid of this constitution thing. That's what they're taught. Whoa. Wow. Who was that? It was just a friend of mine growing up. Oh, okay. Wow. But had been through this completely separate educational track than I had been through. Um, I was all Catholic school. She was all, um, you know, public high school, public grade school. And like was a very upset and emotional over the fact that she found out later on that actually, in fact, we were a constitutional republic. I went through a phase where I really disliked the um, the House of Representatives just as an institution, and the, I thought they were getting bribed. I mean, I still don't like that they're bribed. They're wait, wait, soft wait, wait, targets. Wait, wait. What do you mean? We, that, we that's all not a phase. Don't like that's them. not a phase, Ian. <laughs> well, I, I was like, <laughs> repeal That's the, real. Get rid of the House of Representatives. And Mike Ravel was like, that's going a little too far, Ian. Um, I went through a phase where I just I drank water to survive. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. I'm still in that phase. <laughs> was, the, were you breathing air, too? But, I, I've yeah. thought about it. Wow. What it came to is, like, I like the institution. Well, like the I like the function of the republic. Just that there's a stopgap between the the citizens and then the the legislators. Uh, but I don't think they need to be people. I think it could be like or- organized mechanically with like smart contracts and things. Right. Because the people are just too vulnerable. It's a vulnerability in our system. They get bribed, bribed, bribed. And even if they hey, have term limits, the new ones are going to come in and get bribed, bribed, bribed. Yeah, they're going to keep getting bribed. So it goes. But you know, I wonder if it's. Um, Many of these members of Congress just don't know. They have no principles. So they're simply looking at what gets me elected. The principle's power. Is it right? Yeah, it's fascistic. Right. Across the board, I don't care if they're, it's majority of Republicans, save maybe like the Freedom Caucus, a few Republicans. Almost all of the Democratic Party just basically are like, all that matters is power. Mm-hmm. That's it. Well, Mitch McConnell, it's the Mitch McConnell governing philosophy. It's not about any ideological agenda. It's about maintaining power for the Republican Party. And that is great for the lobbyists. It's great for the politicians. It's great for that class of people. Ooh. But if you don't do anything with that power, it completely is telling that you actually have well, no... Who's voting for this No, guy? but this, this is actually... Graham, too. <laughs> this is actually what is confounding a lot of are policymakers when it comes to Russia because they say, well, we're going to go after the oligarchs because we assume that the oligarchs control Russia the same way they control the United States, <laughs> right? So they think, well, in the United States, if we just went after the mega donors, then obviously the politicians would have to do what we want. So they try to craft their Russia policy based on how the United States government works, but that's not how the Kremlin works. And that's not how, like, Vladimir Putin doesn't answer to his oligarchs. They answer to him. It's completely separate from the way the United States works. So when you look at the way that they're lashing out at Russia, it's actually more relevatory in how the United States system works because they assume that's how you can put pressure on the Kremlin because that's how you would put pressure on the president of the United States, on the Congress, on the Senate, etc. Super short the donors. And that's what they did in Afghanistan too. They set up an American style government and then when they pulled out the American style people, the it's called the liberal apart. world order, bro. It's a tribal <laughs> country. No, no, no it, it is. Yeah. The CFR. Yeah. US, the, the CFR website economy. that I pulled up. The, the CFR website I pulled up. The Council on Foreign Relations said the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund are how they implement their liberal world economic order. So you go to these countries and say, we're basically – like it's a bribe essentially. We're going to give you money for development. We're going to give you this big loan. But that means these countries become beholden to their debt holders. It rapidly modernizes a country. It's good for a lot of people who live there. You know, the standard of living skyrockets, but now the country is beholden to who holds their I debt. I think Chile is going through that right now. Their standard of living just exploded in the last 20 or 30 years, but right. then you've like got Coca-Cola. You and know? then you've got countries that reject it, like Belarus, Syria, Libya, 
Iraq under Saddam, mm-hmm. Afghanistan, obviously for a variety of reasons, North Korea for a variety of reasons. And so all of those countries are therefore evil and they must be destroyed. Let's go to Super Chats. It's time. If you have not already, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, and go to TimCast.com. We're going to have a members-only podcast coming up at about 11 p.m. or so. And as a member, you will get access to that website. Now, I've seen some Super Chats and comments from people who are saying there's weird issues happening with their membership. Yes, I apologize about this. This has to do with the way PayPal works, and it is an issue for us. So we've been... I don't know if I should say too much, but we're working on an alternative system um, from from companies of people you know and love. I don't want to say too much. Tim Coyne. Because we're trying to create a more resilient system. It's in line with what a lot of companies are doing, finding alternative ways to secure memberships and payments. If you're having an issue, just email members at timcast.com, and we will get to you. We're not a very large company, but we're growing, so it may take us, you know, a few days, but we're trying, and I apologize if you, if, 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 if there's issues we can't get to. But, uh, we're trying to cr- create a new membership system, so it, it will only, like, if you're already a member, you don't gotta worry about anything. Some people are dealing with this issue, which is through PayPal. You might have to, like, re-sign up, but very soon, we're gonna have a really exciting announcement, and it will, you know, be, it's gonna be awesome. So you're gonna, you're gonna love it. It's in line with a lot of what, like, the Daily Wire's been up to. In terms of building culture and parallel economies and making making our companies more resilient. So stay tuned for that. And again, apologies for the issues that people are experiencing. We work very, very hard. We are about 30 employees. Maybe soon, you know, we'll be very, very big with your help as members. So be a member. Let's read some super chats. All right. I really like this one. Um, Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Black Hole Sun, won't you come wash away the rain? Huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The phys- oh, they're all just Soundgarden fans. They're not Nazis. Yeah, that's they're right. just Soundgarden fans. That's right. Well, so here we go. The Physicality Channel says, Chris Cornell. So Timcast fell to Russian propaganda, which uses the same methods as the left when it labeled MAGA people as Nazis. Ukraine is not a Nazi country. Putin started the war in 2015, 2014 by invading Crimea. It sounds like a comment from somebody, and with all due respect, I don't think you watch this show. I think maybe you caught an episode and then you put that because I think anybody who watches this knows that we very much have like been heavily critical of Putin, heavily critical of the annexation of Crimea and the Donbass region and his invasion, but pointing out facts about one battalion yeah. and questioning why people in the United States would support that battalion when they've overtly opposed those same ideologies before, that's all reality. I don't think it's fair for this super chatter to frame it as if we've said that Ukraine is a Nazi country. We, There's right. a Nazi battalion in well, the that's, country. That's clearly yeah. someone who just like put in that comment without actually listening to any yeah, of the show. I JM says, you guys should try to get the lead singer from Muse on. They just oh. dropped a banger of a song. And also, I love you, Ian. Keep spreading those good vibes. Matthew Bellamy, I am a huge oh, fan. Yeah, Matthew man, Bellamy, that'd be, awesome. that'd be awesome. But uh, I'm not sure if they're, you know, if Muse is like woke left or whatever. Well, based on their songs, I don't think they care for th- the government. Well, yeah, but, but I think something happened where I think oh, Glenn no. Beck used a song of theirs. Oh, yeah, it used right. to be his intro was Muse. Yeah, and then they came out and said, they like they, they denounced him and said, okay. the right stole conspiracy the left used to do it and i'm just like eh. yeah. uh muse i can sum up muse it's one of my favorite all-time it's favorite bands i can summary. play a ton of their songs and guitar but um 
the way I describe Muse is I love you, but the government is taking over. <laughs> yeah. That's like the gist of all of their songs. They like actually, sometimes they actually write songs that have both those elements yeah, where it's, it's you know, and I'm just like, how do you make a song about government authoritarianism and you loving someone? I still it's remember nihilism. B- before they yeah. got big, they, they actually played my, co- my college. Oh, really? Like years and years cool. ago at Temple University. Wow. And so we got to go and it, no, I mean, they, they, were, they were, they were big going back into like the early 2000s, dude. It did early 2000s. Yeah. And it, but I mean, the show itself was like a couple hundred people maybe whoa and it was so great <laughs> wow so great man i've been a i've been a fan of muse for a long time they're a great man yeah and i like how they sing about how the government is bad That's you right. know it's just it's pretty good it's it like formed hey, in 1994 i love you yeah yeah but a lot of the people who who sang about why the government is bad neil young um now believe that corporations are good what, right? was, yeah. what was up with bad religion writing that pro alt-right yeah, song that was so weird did you guys hear that one no it was I, – I don't know if they were trying to be tongue-in-cheek. Like it was critical of the alt-right, but it's literally – it's called The Kids Are Alt-Right. And the song has – you know, it, it's it's pro-alt-right. I don't understand. Well, there's, there's that only who, like there's one that who song, The Kids Are Alt-Right. Right, right, right. They're yeah. making it – like the Bad Religion wrote a song called The Kids Are Alt-Right. And in the song, he's basically just advocating for the alt-right. Whoa. I don't, well, yeah, which I don't understand. I'm so it's the anthem that, of the Azov Battalion. I'm seeing that Matt yes. Bellamy went on with Alex Jones multiple times. I'm going to look that up. I'm curious. Now i got to check it out. Really? Yeah, I'm going to look it up now. I'm oh. looking it up. Yeah, I is saw that it true? I think the kids, are, the kids are all right. It's talking about uh, Nazism in Germany. Like they're talking about pure hearts race on a crystal night. Like that's crystal knocked as well. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, but they don't – like the song specify. doesn't insult them. It praises them. Oh. That's the weird thing. Oh, yeah, you're right. Join the party. The kids are alt-right. Yeah, everybody exactly. needs somebody, so join the party. It's like, um, are they trying to be trying to be tongue-in-cheek? Probably. Because yeah. there, there may be a bunch of kids who just yeah. don't understand you are singing the praises of all these people. Right. It's probably an anthem against, like, conformity. That's or, is it one of those, or is it one of those Straussian things where, like, no, no, we're we're against it, even though we're, right, right. you know. <laughs> like satire? Let's uh, let's yeah. read some more. But it's, yeah. no, oh, sat- wow, they want yeah. you to think it's satire, but yeah, yeah. maybe All right. Oh, Hannah Carter says, Tim, can my daughter's book get a shout out, please? She's nearly eight, autistic, and wants to be the next Beatrix Potter. Wow. I'm very proud of her. The Tale of the Red Squirrels by A. Carter on Amazon. Thanks. Sounds mm-hmm. cool. Oh, there you cute. Go. Yes. Nice work. Love oh, yeah. that author. T-A-I-L. I hope All so. right. Better be. Make 1984 so, yeah. Fiction Again says, the first 15 minutes of this show, you described Destiny, a.k.a. Stephen Bonnell III. How did we describe him? What were we referring to? I'm Destiny. not sure. We've had him on the show before. I think we were, I thought we were it was, actually, I thought it was great. Were we talking about him? Or it was yesterday we were talking no. about him. Right? The other day we talked briefly about him because people were praising him. I, I think, think it was, uh, uh, Lewis was saying he's, he's someone on the left who's willing to look at the facts and call out the left if he right, has to. Right, yeah. yeah and he did the, that with Kyle Rittenhouse. I think a lot of people are yeah. coming from their past with like, he was probably raised in that environment, but he, like, the, but they had the clear mind and they want to know the truth, but they're just, they're bringing all their baggage, so they got to kind of, Shed it away as they learn. That's how I was. I like Destiny. He's a sweet guy. Yeah, dude's Hey, smart. Tim, before we move on, I just want to say that I went to Band.TV and it says Alex Jones inspired Matt Bellamy to write Uprising. I is that true? I, I don't know. Is, is Alex Jones claiming that or is Matt Bellamy claiming I don't know. That. I'm going to find when, out. When was the last time Matthew Bellamy appeared on... 2006. That's a long the, time ago. I know. Ago. This was written in 2021. Yeah, so Alex Jones Uprising. used to be kind of considered like a part of the left, Right, right. Because yeah. he wait, was wait, anti-Bush. Wait, wait, Go look at Paul Joseph Watson's early YouTube videos. You know what they're about? Hmm. They're, they're anti-police brutality videos. Well, that's mm. why it was Prison Planet, right? Mm. Opposing government authority, right? Uh, uh, oppression. 
You know, all that stuff. So right. that's why if you watch the movie um, A Scanner Darkly with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, so exactly. it used to be this like hipster thing to be like a secret fan of Alex Jones. Like they would say, oh, he's quirky, but he's against Bush. So we like him. <laughs> and Alex Jones has that cameo where he like drives by with a bullhorn. No, no, as, he gets arrested. Or he gets arrested. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Keanu Reeves is like walking down. Whoa. That's that rotoscope like, movie? Yeah, it's rotoscope. Yeah. yeah. That's a good movie. It is a good movie. I like it. That movie I awesome. like it. All right. Um, let's see what we got here. Dennis Gregerson says, is the senator from Hawaii, Presley, going to ask the nominee if she has ever been charged or suspected of harassment? Apparently, she asks every nominee, or so she says. Uh, Maisie Hirono. Yeah, is that her? Yeah. Yeah, Maisie Hirono. Is she going to ask that? <laughs> Crazy so Maisie. Smart. Yeah. I don't know. Probably not, because, again, <laughs> you're making yourself vulnerable to accusations of bigotry and, and sexism, mm-hmm. which, God forbid, Maisie Hirono ever, ever approached that line. Right. All right, Fluffer Boy 2004 says. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> do you think the Daily Wire will start producing music? Jack, stop sending in comments. <laughs> um, that wasn't that. I was logged in that was to a the long other. Time ago. Okay. <laughs> that was an older. <laughs> you know the the, the approach we've had from for like the cultural stuff has been we we've done three th- well we've done four things. The Daily Wire is doing movies. And they want to do shows. And I actually have a really good idea for a joint show at the Daily Wire. I'm, and I was like, mid-show, I literally hit up Dallas. And I'm like, That's, I got an idea. <laughs> Dallas is great. So um, we've been talking to them. They want to do a show. But I think I have the perfect show. And I'm not going to say anything just yet. But we've done we've done a few things. We've done – first, we did Tales from the Inverted World, mm-hmm. which is murder, mystery, paranormal investigations. And the new series we're working on apparently is absolutely off the wall. Part Season two, the next book we're doing and the next series of podcasts – so Shane Cashman, who's our investigator and writer, he went down to the Georgia Guidestones and was like checking it out. And he has like pictures. There's like people dying. And he's, he's, he went down there to look for the lost Confederate gold. So there's like ghosts. There's apparently threatening. I, I can't say too much because I don't know about the, the legal issues, but there are threats. Mm. You know, people do not want this investigation. So this is not overtly political. It's like fun mystery, you right. know, uh, true crime-ish murder. People are dying. Much. It's fun. So then we've also done Pop Culture Crisis. Which uh, subscribe to Pop Pul- Pop Culture Crisis on YouTube. Good this show. is pop culture show with you know the crew and it's hosted by Brett Dasovic. We've done. Um, what was I going to say the other one was we have Chicken City. Hmm, of course, Chicken City is just a live stream of chickens, and it's we got really good by the we way. We got monetized, so now you can super chat and play sounds. But Woo. we're, we're going to be building that up. Chicken City is was also great by the way if you have pets that stay home yes. by themselves because mm-hmm. pet like dogs will just sit and stare at that for they do hours. Yeah. love they it. Love Cats it. Do and the too. chickens really just bug bug bug. But we're yeah. also doing music. And so I feel like the Daily Wire has gone this traditional route where they're doing movies and shows and stuff. And we've gone more of the, the digital route yeah. with like YouTube channels like Cast Castle and Pop Culture Crisis. And so I feel like, you know, I, I want to I see what they're up to because we're very much interested in doing shows, but that's not our area. And so we talked with them and they were like, we'd love to do a show with you. So I've, I have an idea for a show that I think is a really good idea for a show. Yeah, I think I know the one you're talking about. Think X-Files. Ooh. Yeah, but I, did, I can't say too much. And that's the realm where you need the sort of creativity and innovation because the music industry, much to the chagrin of some huge artists and for some good reasons, actually has been democratized. So there are a lot of like really heterodox artists making music that you can find on Spotify because the barrier to entry has been lowered significantly. And that still doesn't exist in like movie theaters or on cable TV, <laughs> whereas TV shows, that's where you actually really need to have the production value and you need to have yeah. the, the viewership. Yeah. Let's read this one. Kevin. 
Kevin Billa says, how will Hollywood react when the Daily Wire makes a movie that is so Oscar worthy they have to be nominated or win? They won't. But who nominate cares about the Oscars? Yeah, 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 yeah they, they won't. It won't get nominated, but it will make a splash and change the world. Mm-hmm. All right. Dragon Lady says, Tim, 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 in your first episode today, the, the Next Generation episode with Picard proving data sentience is measure of a man, not make. Thank you for the correction. <laughs> the one with the Romulan grandfather was the drumhead. Thank you for the correction. Mm-hmm. Sins of the Father was about Worf's family. Great freedom tunes today. Love your Fauci. Uh, yes, I said make of a man. It's measure of a man. And I said, I'm not sure what the episode is where they're trying to hunt down the Romulan spy because the guy's got a Romulan grandfather. But I thought I was like, it's not Sins of the Father, I don't think. And thank you for the correction. But um, I posted a clip from The Next Generation. And for anybody who hasn't seen Star Trek, have you watched The Next Generation? No. Oh, you, you need to. And, and you? Mm-hmm. Yes, you have. Uh, uh, and everyone else? Yeah, you must. All. Because <laughs> there's, a, there's probably a lot of people who, I'm you know. I'm surrounded by losers. <laughs> See, that's exactly. Get a loser <laughs> for going galactic. Know, this is exactly what I'm going to point out right now is the problem. You don't watch Star Trek because it's like Star. I, I don't like Star Wars. Star no. Wars is fantasy, magic powers. Star Trek is watching a classically liberal society, technologically advanced. And Captain Picard is a role model. And as a fictional character, Patrick Stewart's portrayal, absolutely life-changing as a kid to see this. There's there's a scene I posted because we were watching it before the show. Posted it on Twitter. Data's an android. He creates uh, he creates a, a daughter. He creates a new version of himself. It's the, the only he's the only android in existence. So mm-hmm. the Federation is an admiral, and he's like, we have to seize it because yeah. it's too too powerful of of, of a technolo- technological advancement. And so he tells Data to give up his kid, and Data says, you know, this is my child, and I I have a duty to my child. And the the admiral says, then I'm ordering you to give up your your child. And then Picard says, belay that order. The admiral goes, I beg your pardon. Data, and, he, and then Picard, Picard goes, Data, stand your ground. And then the Admiral says, you are risking your command and your career. And Picard smirks and says, there comes a time when men of good conscience must disobey orders that are unjust or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And he says, for this, you know, this, uh, uh, to compel a man to give up his child to the state, not while I'm captain. And I'm just like clapping yeah. classical, classical libertarian, a liberalism, classical, a civil libertarianism, all of those values. Telling, telling your commanding officer that I will sacrifice my career, my, my command and everything to defend one person's right, rights and their freedoms and liberties. Oh man, that show is just gold and I wish one, we had One of many like episodes today. where in real life Picard would immediately be relieved of command. Right? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, obviously the worst captain in Starfleet. Everyone knows Cisco. Well, Cisco is by far the best commander. He was great. Um, uh, um, what's, what's the one where he stages the false flag? You know what I'm talking about? With the Kardashians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember it. But um, but I will say. I know, right? <laughs> to, to the writer's credit, you're right about him being relieved of command. In the episode, before anything can happen, there's an emergency call, and they rush to the lab where Data's daughter is dying. Mm. And so the admiral is then desperately trying to save Data's daughter and says, I'm sorry. And that's what prevents it from escalating beyond Picard. I think what part of what made that show so phenomenal. But in like in any real Navy, Picard would be really. Oh, I mean, he's violated crime directive how many times? He ever became in command of any. Patrick Stewart was a starship. Theatrically trained actor. He had massive stage presence and knew how to project the entire soundstage. So he was commanding with his voice. Not just his rank. Like you look at Janeway and I felt she had such a weak voice that like if she's down the hall yelling commanding orders, it's like. Well, she's just silly. Where you have Picard, you know, it's like. I thought I thought they they I, weren't isn't it they um, didn't command with their voices birthday? the way that Picard did isn't today William Shatner's birthday oh, oh, happy no. birthday ninety one all wow. of the nineties era Star yeah. Trek shows were good Voyager just was like a C plus I thought they were so, rocked was it 
I didn't see any of them after I, I tried. I'm, and I, I'm an Enterprise fan. I'll, I'll I will. It's not a bad show. Prequels. Die on that hill. I wanted I to like it. Excuse me. It is Baculous not just a prequel. Genius. It is also far in the future. Hey, I think mm-hmm. I found out that Alex Jones was not in a Skinner Darkly, but in Waking Life. No, is he's in both. He's in both. They're yeah. both Richard Linklater films. Yep. Okay. He's in both. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Weird. All right. Anyway. Let's read some more. We got Kristen Himmel says, Tim, we need to stop supporting the woke corporations that hate our values. There is an app called Public SQ. Public Square. Public Square. That is fighting against this and has a marketplace of over 4,000 businesses oh, that support cool. conservative values. You should interview the CEO, Mike, Michael Selfert. So I actually know about Public Square. Cool. Um, recently got acquainted with them. Um, it's it's amazing. So it's basically like, I kind of describe it as like next door, but for companies that don't hate you. Yeah. So you can, lo- you can download it on, you know, whatever platform you have. Um, they're both on Apple and Android. And you can go in and if you just want something like, hey, I want to go to a restaurant that's all locally sourced, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Or you can find whatever service you want. You can plug in your address. You can find ones that are in your area. It, and if you are like someone who wants to be listed on something like that, you can just, you know, put up a thing for free. Public Square is actually really, really cool when it comes to that stuff. And this is ob- just something that obviously should exist. Yes. The wrong writer says a free man thinks rules are followed. A slave thinks rules are enforced. Did you guys know that in the, since the New York Times took over Wordle, you can't put the word slave in? I did not That's know that. scandalous. So if, so for those that don't know what Wordle is, you, you, get, that, six, you get a five letter word, well, you I get thought six of a response tries. to that, uh, that comment. The slave one? No, no, the guys, the guys. Oh yeah, there. well what's your response? My response is the shopping cart theorem. Yeah. What's you that? familiar with the shopping cart theorem? That, well there's, there's the shopping cart test, but what's the, the test theorem? The idea that, yeah. the idea being that, um, there are people who will put the shopping cart back and there are people right. who will not put the shopping cart back. You suffer no penalty for not putting the shopping cart back. You will incur no, no, you know, fee or fine. No one's ever going to come and, you know, chase you down and indict you for this. And yet you do it because you are an upstanding member of society well, and this is the rule. The, However, the, there are people who will not put the shopping cart back and they are the ones who, because of them, we require law enforcement. You know well, what? Well, hold on. You're, what you're missing from that is that the, the shopping cart test is it's a minor inconvenience to you with mm-hmm. no reward, right. but also no penalty, right. but it's the right thing to do right. to return the shopping cart to the corral. However, you go to stores, and what do you see? Shopping carts are everywhere strewn about. I, and uh, that's our society. I worked yep. at a grocery store and was the bag boy and cashier and all that. Did the And uh, I would collect the carts. Yeah. I always take the carts back. It feels good to do a good deed for another person. It does. Especially when you uh, – I like um, – Right, but you, that makes you – Efficiency. A good, that means you're like, a good citizen. If you can give a little and that other person gets a lot out of it, that's a valuable trade for you, even if you're never going to see that person. But, Ian, not everyone in society believes the way you believe or I believe. Because they are not good citizens. And because of people who are willing to forego that inconvenience as a detriment to society, that's what then necessitates the rules and the enforcers of the rules. Mm. Okay. Well, that's the John Adams, if men were angels, right? No yeah, government yeah, yeah, would be right, necessary. Right, right. But I, I, that, and that is, it's, it's sort of a cliche, but true. Sorry, libertarians. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Joshua LeBlanc says, about time Emily is on the show. Yes. Federalist Radio Hour is great, <laughs> and she killed it on Rising. Cool. Well, thanks. That's so nice of you. Is this the first time you're on? Yes, first oh, time wow. I was on. I appreciate the shout out for Federalist Radio Hour because it's a it's a daily show like what you guys do, and you guys know that's a lot of work. It is. Oh yeah. <laughs> when oh, do you definitely. do your show? What time is it? I mean, I pre-tape some. I do some the same day, so it's just kind of a constant grind. But you guys know that. Does it always <laughs> go up at the same hour every day? No, oh, okay. we we just. I mean, it usually goes up around five p.m. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool beans. Yeah. 
All right. Justin Williams says, do you think the convention of states will be a way to save the government from itself? No. Absolutely not. No. Why is that? No. And I, I just think there's so many of these sort of do nothing um, things out there that sound good on paper. But at the end of the day, if you're not addressing what, what Emily brought up, this idea of our judiciary being completely out of control or this also this idea of the executive and the the tie between the executive and the academy that if you're not addressing any of that stuff directly then you're just it's just not going to go anywhere. and even something as substantive as calling a convention of the states which would require a herculean sort of public effort to even make happen you're still going to be basically tinkering around the margins until you deal with what jack just said yeah yeah like the president could just be like, no, we're going to override anything the convention said. And the administrative state. I mean, we just talked about it. I mean, look at what the education department does. And what um, you just said about the Fed. Yeah. Right. This is the yeah. century in the making. More. Yeah. Or, yeah, potentially more. Yeah. All right. X Plant X says, Ian, did you get the book I sent you? The Book of Antithesis. It's an occult grimoire of real magic for D&D Dungeon Masters. It's now available in the U.S. web store oh, from the nasty. Lamentations of Flame Princess. Don't mess with the cult. Don't do Love it. it. Don't, Don't do it. it. <laughs> do not mess with the cult. No, I don't, don't know if I got Absolutely that not. not. Yeah. I've been wanting do to do... Do not screw around with such things. I've been wanting to do a D&D based on... Like D and D, fine, sure. No, no, no. But I'm like, all into demonology. No, no, no. I think his I wanted, story made them evil. But I not wanted actually. to do a D and D based on modern politics. So it's like running for a campaign instead of fighting dragons. And so it's it's what they did with uh, Podesta and the you know uh, this is yeah they came up with a game for yeah. the 2020 election. Right. So I'm like I would love to play a game like that and film it. Ever since I read that they they war gamed. Didn't they have Trump like uh, declared martial law yes. or something? And oh, it, it got gosh. it got nuts. Well, it would be <laughs> hilarious. It would be like you know Ian could play as Hillary. And he'd be like, I'm going to run in 2028. And like, you know, it looks like Skeletor. Critical success. Critical success. <laughs> I got plus yeah. 80 to my role because I'm familiar with the Council on Foreign Relations. But that would be, that would be, that would be hilarious to film. We should do that. You should call it the liberal world order. The liberal oh, world order. Yes, yeah. you should. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Seamus can be Trump. Yeah. That'll be fun. And then we'll just see how, uh, we, we should do that for 2024. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, we should That'd do awesome. it. That'd be great. All right. Let's see what we got. Elijah J. Kramer says this group is always high on free speech, and I think all would agree it's a cornerstone of our republic. Why then do I not see any of you on Gab? It's the only true free speech platform. I'm on Gab. I'm I posted on Gab. on Gab last night. Hmm. I don't. I don't post on Gab all that often. I don't. I it's tough because you got to go to every network and post on every network that's separately. Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Yeah. Lines, and, and, and so is, my tweets auto post on mine. So that's been simple for me. I mean, I and I understand the necessity. Like I post on Twitter because it's it's helpful to sort of amplifying the message. But I actually and I talked to at the time the CEO of Parler about this. You cannot just replicate these evil secular platforms without changing the addictive functionings of them, right? So like you cannot just come up with Gab or Parler or Rumble, all of which I think are great sort of test balloons or Rumble at least I think is a good test balloon. Um, and I think Parler was as well that sort of are saying, well, look, there is a market for this, do it better and you will attract customers and you capitalists can take your money. But we can't just do that if we're replicating the, the mechanisms that keep people sick and addicted and depressed on different places. And so I'm already on one of those. I don't feel the need to, to do it more than once. Mm. Yeah, I think if Rumble, by the way, if they're able to integrate Rumble with sort of some of the stuff we're talking about with like Daily Wire and streaming yeah. and some of these things, that is going to... Because Rumble is obviously already fantastic, but it, that you get that integration going, that would take it to the next level. And I think Rumble needs a kind of like Twitter. Yeah. A yeah. microblogging function. It would make them huge. Mm. 
Yeah. It's oh, hard, yeah. though, because... That's what YouTube you, forgot to do, was integrate a little Twitter function with, in the early days. With locals. The, the, the challenge is, yes, but the challenge is when it gets too cluttered. Right. So uh, a lot of people tell me mine's is too cluttered. Yeah, it's, it's like trying yeah. to do everything at once. You got to... Right. And there are lots of buttons and stuff. Once you figure it out, it's phenomenal, but there's it's just a high learning curve. Yeah. All right, let's read this. Sequitur Tenebris says, quick PSA, if anybody else hasn't done it, a major tornado just went through the lower ninth ward of New Orleans. Major damage and loss of life. They don't have enough ambulances. Man, wow. sorry to hear. I hope everybody is, actually, is okay. Actually, uh, my, uh, my, my producer at Human Events Daily, actually, she's from Louisiana, and she was saying that her family got a tornado warning earlier today. Oh, wow. wow. So, okay. yeah. I hope they're good. That's awful. All right. Wicked Liss says, a series you should do, Tim, and maybe with Seamus, is create cartoons explaining how government works, a.k.a. old cartoon, I Am Just a Bill. Seamus actually has a show, it's Common Sense Soapbox, I think, yeah. with, that uh, he does a lot, a lot F-E-E, of, yeah, yeah with, with uh, FEE, basically does that. Yeah, it's yeah. great. All right. Hamrod says, Dan Crenshaw is not establishment guys, YouTubers are. <laughs> yeah, what is that? Was that a reference to something? No, I think we're like. Is that sarcastic? I maybe I, I guess. I don't, we invited I don't, Dan on the show, it. and he said yes, and then he said no. Yeah, <laughs> not surprising. I mean, so. I think it, it, it's trying to make this point that YouTubers who decry cancel culture, rightfully so, are in some ways very much like they, they have become very powerful. That doesn't make you establishment, uh, and and that's a huge mistake I think that people make. Although it's an easy one to make, if you're establishment, you're beholden to all of this this infrastructure that includes special interests. Um, and if you're a YouTuber that's really powerful, I mean, you have to maintain the trust of your audience, um, and that's a very different thing. All right, Ryan Brown says, if you think the fourth turning is real, then look at the Rendsburg Prophecies. It's very detailed and geopolitically accurate from 100 years ago. Interesting. You know what's fascinating is the uh, the story of Baron Trump from the 1800s. (laughs) The underground... what is it, the underground journey or something? It's got to be fake. I don't know. Yeah, what is yeah, this? Yeah, I know. Like, it can't be real. Can Ingersoll Lockwood or whatever was it the right. name? And apparently the book's real, but someone had to have written it and then claimed it was from a long time ago. My favorite, my yeah. favorite um, Baron Trump conspiracy theory is that um, is that Steve Bannon is Baron Trump from the future <laughs> sent, sent, sent back to guide his father. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so like Baron, it's called Baron, the Baron Trump novels Bannon. from 1889. Yeah. 18, in God, in, the, in the novel, hold on. In one of the novels, Trump Castle on Fifth Avenue is attacked by socialists and anarchists from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Mm. That's actually in the book. So weird. This is not real, is it? So weird. They remained obscure until 2017 when they received media attention for... Of course they did perceived similarities between there's the- there's a meme of trump from the 1980s it's the meme just goes donald trump 1980 why do time travelers keep trying to kill me i'm just a real estate guy <laughs> 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 Oh, I'd love to see people on the Lower East Side riot. That'd be fun. Yeah, <laughs> I'd get on board for Without locking They wouldn't know. Uh, there we go. That. Lysandra and Dreamwalker says Star Trek Deep Space Nine in the Pale Moonlight. Boom. Talk about a good Boom. TV show. Boom. I just haven't been able to get into it. You guys like Deep Space Nine? Did you, did, did you watch this episode? Did no, you no, watch all so. of so, Deep Space so, Nine? I don't know. It's the only Star Trek uh, series where there's like an actual war. Yeah. So this, the, the Federation's like basically losing and they yeah. need to figure out a way to get the Romulans to join their side in this war. So they stage a false flag attack against the Romulans. That, like, yeah, that was the you know, Dude, right. it's crazy. It came out when I was younger. It felt like too much, too political. It was a lot of talking. Not yeah. enough like laser beams and but frozen it's actually dudes it's actually the opposite. I'm telling people, it's man. next generation is far more political yeah. than D Space Nine. D Space Nine is because Roddenberry didn't like 
interpersonal conflict. And so that's why when you watch TNG, it's this very like sanitized culture that no actual, like anyone who served in the military would ever find anywhere. Um, because he didn't allow there to be interpersonal conflict between characters on the ship because the Federation is this enlightened progressive culture. You can see it in the way they stand. So, too. Yeah, exactly. And versus, but there's also like children on the ship. Like it makes no sense. I feel and, strongly that I am not drunk enough to have this conversation. And then Deep Space Nine, yeah, but Deep Space Nine was the first one that came out after Roddenberry died. And so probably wouldn't have allowed it to to come to pass. And it's, you know, they're on like the fringes of the Federation and that there's a wormhole and a war takes place. And it's just this like, you know, it's this it's this almost emerging of sort of the Star Wars type of plot line. But in the Star Trek universe, are they able to open and close the wormhole is to. It, Can they open and close the wormhole at will? No, it's just open. That's no, it's dangerous. just open. Yeah, that's yeah, that's no, the first episode. Are they, are they on the other side of the wormhole too? Like they have another outpost over there? Well, that's, that's part of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, uh, a powerful alien race from a different quadrant is able to gain access and it's more powerful than basically all of the typical, you know, Star Trek races you're, you're familiar with. So the Federation losing, they, they have a conversation where like if the Romulans, who are longtime enemies of the Federation, would join the Federation and the Klingons in the war, they could win. And so the Romulans are like, no, we're going to team up with the Dominion. They're going to offer us favorable deals, conquer you guys. And then they have this conversation where they're like, you think that once they conquer us, they're going to let you, they're going to spare you. And they're like, we'll see. So the Federation stages a false flag attack, killing a, a Romulan senator, blaming it on the Dominion to force them to enter the war on their side. Yep. Bro, talk about good TV. <laughs> like this, if you're into the stuff we talk about, you will want to watch Star Trek. The next generation, at least. And Deep Space Nine. I think Nine. the first one was great. It was a little campy. I mean, it's very campy by today's standards, but powerful. Like like Leonard Nimoy and, and you know, Shat, just, William Shatner. Just seeing, is like, if, if you qu and have bones, questions. My God. If you have questions about false flags and, like, what governments and militaries do, they they wrote a script exploring these ideas in a great war and why even you're supposed to like the Federation. They're the good guys. That being and said, that being said, while we're while we're on the subject, I didn't plan to talk about any of this tonight. But the the you know when people ask me Star Wars or Star Trek, I always say that the correct answer is clearly Battlestar Galactica. Oh, ah, I thought really it was show. good. It was only one season, right? I mean, the, the new one, Battlestar. Did it go on for multiple seasons? No, no, it's it's four. It just yeah, felt like the same season that went on too long. Then. Nope, that's the def problem. Definitely four. Battlestar's fantastic. It started off good and then kind of. It's it better than down. both of them. Really? We're gonna go to super. Uh, no, we're oh, we're gonna go to the member segment. We've already gone to super chats. We're gonna go. We're gonna go to that member segment. So if you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel. Share the show wherever you can. It really, really does help. And go to TimCast.com. Become a member. We are going to be doing a major upgrade with a big announcement. I'm really excited for this um, because we are we are working towards creating those parallel economies, man. And that's one thing we're planning on doing. So we'll, we'll mention that uh, what's happening soon. And if you're having issues, just email members at TimCast.com. We want to make sure everybody's being taken care of because these upgrades are causing some bumps. But PayPal also has some issue. So I apologize for that. But go to TimCast.com. We're going to record that member segment right now for all of you guys. It'll be up at 11. You can follow the show at Timcast IRL. You can follow me at Timcast. Emily, do you want to shout anything out? No, just Federalist Radio Hour and at Emily Jashinsky. There you go.
Uh, Jack Posobiec goes to Human Events Daily. And if you want to sleep like Joe Biden sleeps through the fourth turning, then head over to MyPillow.com and use promo code POSO for up to 66%. How how long were you sitting on that one? Uh, Literally just three seconds. (laughs) But I've been sitting on this MyPillow cushion for even longer, which is available now. That's Uh, smooth. I like that. Uh, Ian Cross on IanCrossland.net. I do want to shout out Thomas Massey for applying Mm -hmm. Bill HR24, the Federal Reserve Transparency Act, audit the Federal Reserve for real check it out i love how this evening every single person here has their own show so you guys are all fully on board with what we're doing here i appreciate what what all you guys are doing and i had a great time this evening thank you guys for coming you guys can follow me on twitter and minds.com at sour patch lids we'll see you all at timcast.com thanks for hanging out bye guys